Janky. <clears throat> hey, yeah. everybody. Let's see. I gotta. We gotta. T- it what? Was, it was perfect because that's the first time anyone's ever accidentally synced a clap with Mr. Tony Morales there, who insists on, <laughs> on <laughs> never quite lands it. No. Uh, let's so see. He, he can land what is it if he here? wants it to. This is. It is 11:39 p.m. in Oklahoma City, the 7th of September, 2022. The Third year of the plague, and still within the first year of the Third World War. This is, this is a minefield recording, huh? This is what you want. Issue. This is issue one fifty. This is not it, miss you. And it's also the two hundred and sixty eighth recording we've done. Dang! Like including all the Star Treks and stuff, everything, and everything else, the After Darks, everything. Everything. 268? 268. I mean, we're, we're way past. We could to, we're totally in syndication. We could be in syndication now. We could be Seinfeld. <laughs> That's where the real money is. We could be Seinfeld. Uh, no, we can't be Seinfeld. Like ECW, 94. Nice. Love it. All right, all right. Here we go. Takeover. Me? No, we're ECW, not a takeover. A not takeover is NXT. Of course. Now. We're like, we're like hardcore TV. Before we get into the meat and potatoes, we got other meat and potatoes. What, what would you call, if what Minefields 150 is, is meat and potatoes, what would you call All Out? Would that be like, uh, would that be Great Scots? Would that be um, a really good brunch? <laughs> Was it good, guys? I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, some decisions I wouldn't have gone with, but uh, it was it was a good sh- good to great show that was followed by an insane aftermath. Insane aftermath. Now. Oh yeah, like you're we're talking like freaking you and your you and your own your significant other go to like a really good concert. And like the band's just on, you know, everything's good to go. And freaking, you go, you know, everything's good. You know, they play all the hits, they play all your favorites, they play the the stuff you really like that nobody else knows about. And you're like, yeah, I'm really into this. Freaking, you get out, you go home the next day, and like you wake up, and she's banging the bassist. Ooh. The basis. So that happened on the show. The bassist. Yeah, the bassist. I can understand the drummer because the drummer always gets the most punini. But the bassist? That guy. The bassist. The, the bassist only has to set up his own bass and plug in and just thump, 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 thump around. Yeah. That sucks. And you get home and he's thubbing something else. Well, that's what the that's what the show was like. Is what you're saying? No, no the, the, the sh- like I said, the show in and of itself was great. 
Um, you wanna you wanna give a little info on the aftermath? Yeah, sure. All right. So uh, this is issue one fifty. So we usually uh, have a. We're, we're today's episode is going to be a last week on minefield. So if you are not caught up on what we do, we're going to explain quite a lot of the things that we do in detail. And one of the things we do is have an epic bet for all of the AEW pay per views, and uh, also. Uh, we critique it. We, you know, we we've got the we do the uh, before mentioned episode, and we make our predictions. And whoever has the best um, wins like fifty or less for a comic book of their choice, and also uh, bragging rights. Um, Tony is four and four. Just say it. Just four, four, four and oh. Four and oh. Four and oh. Undefeated. He's undefeated. <laughs> He's undefeated. Now, the show was phenomenal. Like, it's like, like you said, going to the show, it's you and your girl's favorite band. They play your your fantasy playlist. Not everything is played the way you want it to, but it's still really awesome. And then you go home, you wake up, and she's in the next room with the frickin' bassist, and you're like, what What the frick is going on? Now, yeah. Um, the frick, the frack, and everything in between. Yeah. Like, she's like, just get me pregnant bad. <laughs> get me pregnant Whoa. bad. So, uh, CM Punk, like, one of the picks that I actually got right was that CM Punk was going to go over. Now, afterwards, uh-huh. and I have some notes on this, and this really chaps my ass on this, and we're, we're only, we're, we're going abuela kindla friendly on this one. We'll get to the, what that means in just a little bit is that as a former reporter working for many different publications, uh, watching the post-show scrum was embarrassing and cringeworthy. Um, CM Punk is like, yeah, fuck that guy. I mean, he spent, he spends the first, like, 15 minutes shitting on Colt Cabana. And like, mm-hmm. he gets one question asked to him, and this is why I think it's a work. Because the guy asks him a, a random question. And he's like, hey, you know this guy? He's like, yeah, I do know that guy. And he's like, you friends with that guy? And he's like, you know, we don't really see eye to eye and we're not really friends. He's like, yeah, well, fuck that guy. You know, he's got a, a bank account with his mama. And he just shits on Colt Cabana for like 15 minutes. And But uh, at the same time, he is making the journalist, like, he's intimidating the journalist. And now... It sets a precedent throughout this 25-minute interview post-Scrum, well, during Scrum, uh, where he's just drinking, like, I don't know, what, what was he fucking drinking? Like, he had a bag of, like, what, some, like, buble or something like that? No what? idea. It was, it, whatever it was, <laughs> it was canned, and he was drinking, he, he wiped most of the blood off of him, and he's being really mm-hmm. shitty to the reporters. While Tony Khan is sitting there, and... He's just looking, just nodding his head. I don't like that, like, fro he's got going. I think he needs to clean up. He needs to shave. He needs to look a little bit more businesslike. And he lets CM Punk shit on everybody, including the uh, CFOs, uh, the original elite. Uh, He's alluding towards, like, how much these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. He's talking about Kenny Omega. He's talking about the Bucks. Um, He's not talking about Cody because Cody's gone. And uh, and he doesn't give a shit. Damn. And the whole time, Tony Khan's nodding his head. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, 
afterwards, uh, there apparently is a, a post-scrum uh, backstage kerfuffle where it's p- pretty much a ballroom <laughs> brawl. And um, if you guys saw Dynamite tonight, I only saw a little bit of it, but Tony Khan stripped the titles off of everybody. And um, yep. now my problem post this was first off that the actors they hired for this scrum uh, was bullshit. Like, I, I don't care. I, I've been in intimidating interviews. Like, Billy, uh, what's his name? Who's that asshole from fucking um, Sling Blade? Um, oh, yeah. Um, Billy Bob Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I interviewed that guy, and he was a complete piece of shit to me, and I was not intimidated by him. Like, I, he's like, I asked him, like, okay, so the Bad News Bears, it was for the Bad News Bears movie that was coming out. And fucking, he was like, oh, what's your fucking question? And I'm like, well, this movie was written by the same guys that did Bad Santa. Like, how is this going to differ? And he's like, oh, I see your fucking question. And he just lays into me. I'm like, okay, so this is just going to be a copy? Like, I didn't give a shit. Like, like what are you going to do, fire me from my fucking, like, like, college newspaper that I got? Like, I, I don't care about you. Um, I'm only doing this because luckily I didn't have to go and write a random story on my own and interview three random people for this, for something. I've got you for this. And, um, these, these, now we're keep, Abuela is asleep. We know she's asleep. So we got to keep it at least a little as PC as we can. But this man did not intimidate me. All I cared about was just getting this goddamn story out, and but these reporters were all completely intimidated. Like that, like, like he intimidated every single one. Like, what's your fucking question? Like he he, he used the f bomb so many times that it was it just got nauseous hearing him do it, and then um, it was completely unbelievable uh, being in an actual scrum before, um, and watching the owner of AEW just sit there and nod his head like a bitch like oh yeah oh, this is my champion like CM Punk gets up to walk away and he like gets up and hands him his belt like oh don't forget this bro um and then there's this kerfuffle <laughs> and then now uh in the rag sheets uh they're saying that um that the Bucks and Omega were like yo we're not gonna work with this guy or we're gonna leave and um that's where I leave it to you Mr. Tony did I okay. did I encapsulate that enough? Because that's how I that's how uh, I interpreted that. A little bit, yeah, that's a good primer. But uh, so we got so the whole thing from what my, from my take on it is you know like I said, Punk came out there. He he talked about Colt like you know talked about Colt Cabana a little bit more than he should have. You know, it seemed like his you know personally, I think his frustration with the whole Cabana thing is valid. Because it's really funny how everything to do with Cult Cabana is automatically CM Punk's fault. Yeah, but how is that relevant to anything that's happening all out? It's, it's not, but I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Like, I mean, if, if, if you're constantly blamed for somebody else's issues, like, I, yeah, I, 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 you know, New Era, there are people there I don't like. But I, you know, I feel like they give to the company, so we keep using them. Yeah, it's as uh, we, we've talked about it what before. It is. You don't have to like us, but you goddamn well better fucking respect us. Yeah. 
So, you know, freaking people went to bat for Colt Cabana. You got, you know, he's, he's in ring of honor. You know, I don't, I don't think because they have a personal beef that punk would, you know, I don't see a reason to go out of your way to forcibly remove somebody and cost them a legit job because you personally have issues with them. Right. But every time somebody, you know, everybody, every time somebody <laughs> says something about Cole Cabana leaving or not being used by AEW, it's automatically CM Punk's fault. And freaking that that's gotta wear on you after a while. Like that's that's gotta make you mad a little bit. Like, dude, freaking I'm just trying to live my life. But every time this guy gets mentioned, my name gets brought into it. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've got I mean it's not like it's the first time people have heard CM Punk's got issues with somebody. You know, for him and him and uh Eddie Kingston were able to work, you know, throughout their personal beef. Right. You know, there's that. Um you know, the whole thing, you know, the EVPs, you know, he kind of berated them. You know, he apparently at one point he looked at Tony Khan and was like, you know, this is a business. And freaking, you can't just, you know, this isn't, you know, the old the old adage is this isn't show friends, this is show business. And you can't just appease your friends and expect things to work out well and make money. See, that's what confused me was because he looked at Khan and Khan relented. And the fact that this whole company was based on, like, the indie quality of it with those particular gentlemen. And that he would be anyone willing to relent in a scrum. And and, because Punk said, like, I'm running a business. He said it, like, three, four times. Mm -hmm. I'm. Isn't he, though? No. Yeah, that's. He is. He every, is. He every, has his own every anywhere, yeah, every any indie wrestler is their own business. It's a complete and it's a complete mentality. Like yeah. if you like, it's the whole thing of becoming your brand. Right. Yeah. You know, every you got a you got an image to maintain. You've got to you got to look a certain way. You've got to talk a certain way because that is that is the image you portray in wrestling. That's how you. When you got a lot of people that freaking do uh the the. The, the that portray their character outside of just the show, you know that's yeah, a huge part of the reason. MJF is huge. Yeah, like MGF. You got MGF. signings. You've got uh, you've got to be you got to stay in a certain look to be able to make sure that last season's action figures continue to sell and your public image that appears on every piece of merch. Uh, all of the posters, the sides of the trucks, it just goes on and on. Yeah. yeah MJF's I mean, not going to be caught on camera being nice to a fan. Yeah. That's his, that's his whole thing. I mean, it's, it actually, we basically, there was a while there where it became a, almost a point of pride for fans to be talked down to by MJF at like an autograph <laughs> that's awesome. signing. That's, that was a that's freaking thing. cool. <clears throat> and that's brilliant on his point because that makes him different than the majority of other people. Like we we've talked about it beforehand, you know. One of the big things about the the young bucks, not so much Omega, but definitely the young bucks, is that a lot of the reason they got so big is because they let so many people in on everything. Yeah. You know, with being the elite, they let them in. Oh, it's like oh, you're not just you're not just a wrestling fan. You're part of the the group because you're you're elite because you're freaking Watching you watch show. our show and we let you in behind the scenes. 
not everybody believes that. That actually, personally, I think that ruins wrestling a lot more than it freaking helps. I think because uh, what, what, like out, having a membership card, or, yeah, where like everybody, everybody's in on everything. You're Every- in on it because you're. So wait a minute, then let me ask you because now we're now we're broaching a really weird subject in my head, and I I apologize if we're I'm taking anybody. I feel where you're off going. of no, the context of the question. I feel where you're going. When when yeah when you when you've got when you've got kayfabe and mm-hmm. let's and you don't but. You think about it like that because if there's one thing I think wrestling fans want, it's they want that back. They want to believe that it's as real as real gets, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a multi generational thing to get away from. It. And that's a whole other deal. But if you get a thing where you're like, it's like the the I don't remember what it is, the marching Marvel, you know, squad. You've got your you're 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 in the fan club, so you are the elite. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, you are the revolution, you know? And it's like if you're if you're cluing people into little things here and there and that's getting out, then it's another one of those incredible marketing schemes. And that MJF's got his own thing going on entirely is that's such that's so badass. But at a certain point you've got to, you know, they are they going to change his character? Is it is he does he have so much contra- creative control over his character that that's what he that's going to always be his gimmick because this is a different brand than like WWE which is always just going to change their characters and you can't ever really get used to what it is and oddly enough you can come over with uh with uh Je- with uh Jeff Hardy not Jeff I'm sorry uh Matt Hardy and he's like yeah I can still be woke I can still be uh, broke. I can still be, you know, I can. You are the, you know, you can be, be the delete. Whatever you want to do, and it's just like, yeah, with these gimmicks, like, it can pay for itself. But you're saying that you feel like this thing, if it's that way, it, you're saying that this gimmick that the Bucks have, if it is the way that it seems like it is, is what's what's messing things up for them. To an extent, it's very because the the big difference that I see overall, especially with this current situation, is a lot of indie mentality has always been me, me, me. I need uh-huh. to make the other town. I need to make myself more well known. I need to make myself more appealing to these bigger companies. That way, they'll take notice of me. Right. Now, the other okay. aspect of it is when you're working. For the betterment of the group. You know, you've got these people that are, you know, ride or die, legit AEW guys. Or, you know, AEW, WWE, Impact, wherever it might be. These guys that are always willing to do business, always willing to put their ego aside for the betterment of whichever company it would be. Whether it's, like I said, a big global company or like a small independent. You know, you're always going to have those guys that care more about the overall image of the company than <laughs> their Seth own Rollins. personal. Yeah, their own personal thing. You know, Seth Seth Rollins is probably is really a good example of that for WWE. Um, you know, I've talked about it with Josh personally previously. You know, my, me and my wife talk about it consistently. Um, the 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 biggest guy that is an AEW guy right now is John Moxley. Mm-hmm. 
He's he's always, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always there. He's, whenever they need him, you know, he was a champion during the pandemic. Freaking Punk got hurt. They put the belts on him. You know, he he's he's always if they need a good promo, he's there. They need a good match, he's there. He he's the, he's their guy. He got sober. Good. He got sober and then carried the interim championship when they needed it with someone that could like. I thought the interim championship was genius, by the way. Um, just like, you know, have someone stronghold it and someone else come back as opposed to like, you know, my beef. I've mentioned it many times before about when Seth Rollins came back. They, you know, he broke Finn Balor and they punished the shit out of him. Um, wasn't his yeah, fault. Yeah, right. Wasn't his fault. But um, you're right, and um, what are you what are you trying to say in this? Like, do, are are you saying that, like, when we're talking about the Bucks, we're talking about Omega being the CFWs or CFOs or whatever you want to call them? Um, EVPs, yeah. EVPs, uh, and Punk shitting on them. Is this a work? Because I think it's a work. Oh Lord, no, Lord, there's no way in hell. Because all this does is make freaking AEW look bad. There is there's absolutely no way this is a work cuz nobody wins. The only the only thing the only thing this works, the only way this could cons- at all be a work is because this will probably get a huge ratings bump tomorrow because people wanted to see what happened. What's the fallout? Yeah. But other than that, all it does is make the company look bad. It makes the EVPs wow. look irresponsible and like jackasses. Because they went and if you're freaking, let me break this down for you. Because this is this is one of the big things I wanted to bring up to, to Colin in particular. Because you know while he enjoys wrestling, he's not like a huge fan. Doesn't like lose his mind. Doesn't go to every event he can see. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But I have a, I have a counter a counterpoint to that. But carry on. You do your best. Okay, please. <laughs> but um, so we okay. So if I'm if. If Josh is working at a job, and I am Josh's boss, and Colin, you are my boss, if Josh decides it's a good idea to talk a mad about a mad about just a mad amount of mess about me, just talks bad about me, says I'm horrible at my job, and freaking just just berates me, so not to my face, but so behind my back. You're the Bucks in Omega. And I'm punk. Yeah. Okay. And you're punk. And then, yeah. So, and in respect to that, instead of trying to, to handle the situation as, as the boss would, I then decided to go beat down on the door, kick down the door, and then what led to a fist fight between the two. Bar brawl, that's what they called it. Yeah. How would, as, as the boss's boss, as like the head guy in charge, at, how would you handle that? Okay, for one thing, I'm trying. I'm struggling with maybe the specific details here. But so, as a person, so, so I'm I'm the best person that is the employee of your employee, and I am shitting on the people that you trust on running the company, while you are the head, the the big giant head, and I have just told the whole world. That I think all of your uh, EVPs that are below you, in between me, are pieces of shit and assholes and shitty wrestlers 
and fuck mm-hmm. them and you're sitting next to me and nodding your head. That's what happened. So he's okay. asking you, how would you handle that? And then, and then when I hear this as the boss, I decide to, instead of you know mediation or anything of that nature, I decide to go beat down his door, kick in the door, and then proceed to have an escalation between the two of us where we get into a fist fight. Like legit, but I'm still I'm, I'm still the boss. You're just you're my boss. Correct. You're, what I'm what I'm seeing. Okay. What what I'm seeing here is listen. I mean, I've just come from a world of being in a very unusual for me series of responsibility positions. Stallone's no your responsibility. boss. <laughs> he's, he's an executive producer, but he's not my boss. But he could fire anybody he wanted, and he kind of did. And uh, honestly, I mean, I've signed NDAs, but I'm so close to the end of my contract, I'm not really worried about some stuff right now. Uh, but how would you I mean, handle it? How would you handle? How would it? I? Okay, if I look, I mean, I get into this kind of weird stuff every so often, and half of my half half of this job was me talking to different people who were. I held a certain degree of responsibility, or I held a certain degree of like. It's not responsibility, and it's not leadership, but just like, I'm. I can't come up with the right term for it. it, it it's like it lateral, lateral position? responsibility. No, I mean, look, okay, there's the lead man who's one of my nine supervisors. And then there's me and the rest of the set dressers. Yeah, but I'm the onset dresser. So I have, like, the onus of immediate, I can make decisions, I can do what I've got to do. Uh, if it's a real problem, that that violates the creativity of someone who's way above me, I need to let them know that this is happening. But if the director wants it and the director wants it right now, none of us are going to get what we want. We're just, I'm there and I'm going to facilitate it. I've been listening to people piss and moan about their their uh, same rank people the whole job. I Because they're stuck with them and they don't get to say whether or not they're this, that, or the other. They're like, do I... Have any control over my life and my decision decisions? Do I uh, have to listen to this person? So, Why are we still putting up with this? And it's just shit like that. So you're so saying like, you're saying that like same ring people, the Bucks, mm-hmm. CM Punk, same ring people, but one of these guys thinks he's better than the other. That's the problem is that none of those people are the same rank. I don't care what you're talking about. These these are different people. These are I performers, and they have I they have this. different needs and they have different uh different they produce different results cm punk is a mixed bag and you know what he's bringing to the table he has massive massive uh product awareness everybody knows that he is he has been injured like hell he everybody knows that he's going to come with that attitude He's going to come with that character that is more real than literally any other sports entertainment character. And everybody knows what he's bringing to the table. The Bucks, everybody knows what they're bringing to the table. They're team players, but at the same time, they know how freaking badass they are. And they don't ever have to do this again if they don't want to because of lucrative uh, uh, t-shirt and apparel 
decisions that they made years ago. They got more money than they're ever going to be able to spend. They're, the they're ones doing that... it because they love it and they want to be performing. They're the ones that brought uh, yeah. Bullet Club to Hot Topic and really kicked it off. They were, that's exactly they that's were exactly what I'm close to fucking getting the uh, the rights for the Bullet Club shirts from New Japan, and New Japan uh-huh. were like barely trumped it. Now, uh, take- now all of these all of these characters they bring their own things to the table, like I say. So if if you've got, but they're all the same rank. They, this person might demand a little bit more. This might the per, person might need a little more. It just varies depending in, and it's like being the GM of a ball team. You've got to figure out how to how to what's the formula. How do we make these things equitable? How do we just get this guy to show up? And how do we get uh, you know what is it? You know you're talking about John Moxley. God bless him. I mean, hey, I didn't know that he was having any kind of issue with sobriety, that was uh, but. Um, Okay, well, good. I just I only hope for the best for him. He's, he's doing great. My favorite guy in the entire wrestling industry. He's he's not um, kidding. When I took him to his first RAW, uh, John Moxley. Oh, guy I gravitate. John Moxley came out. Well, let me rephrase that. Uh, Dean Ambrose came out. Open and, and Colin was like, "That's my fucking guy." That's my guy. I was like, that guy's wearing jeans. He's wearing boots out there. Yeah, like, I, 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 <laughs> that guy's I, my guy. I, I got to legit watch him. Figure Sorry. out his favorite guy as it happened. <laughs> it was it was beautiful, man. Like Tony, it was like like that's my it's guy. Energy. Like, like it's like like uh, equivalent to like getting your kids to watch Star Wars for the first time. They figure out who they like the first time. It, like I get to watch him. Like we we drank like like two it's pints of, of whiskey in the fucking parking lot and walked <laughs> in and bought more <laughs> drinks and um and then. Like who's that guy? Like like he looked over at me, my my buddy Josh uh, from our Josh Rules Club. He showed up and we started doing the primetime dance. And you're like, Colin was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" We're like rap legs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so so uh, neither here nor there. So uh, to, to uh, yeah, yeah. To, to to recap, so you're talking about that you would satisfy your primetime players. Well, my okay, I'm saying. I'm trying to lay the playing field for what it is that I'm getting at. And yeah. this new guy just got made champion, right? Yep. Well, you have to let him say what he's going to say because you risk a couple of things. If you're Tony Khan and you're sitting there watching this happen, in my mind, if it was me, not Tony, and I don't know anything, I don't know Tony, but like if I'm sitting there and I'm watching my brand new champion, who I just put that belt on because I don't care what you say and if wins actually count for anything, etc. He got there because he played by the rules and he did what we needed to do and that's where we are. And now he's, he's got the mic. And you have to trust these people to do what they need, what to do right by, by the organization and say the clean thing. Dude, he was this not isn't saying the pipe bomb. Clean. It wasn't. It wasn't. That's the thing. That's the crazy thing. You have to trust him. And here he is getting up there saying all of this stuff. And it's like, what? What, dude? For real? I would think like, okay, you got knocked in the head too far, too hard. I'm gonna have to do something about this, but I don't have to do something right then and there. Okay, I'm not Vinny Mac, mm-hmm. and I'm not Sean, and uh, or anybody else. It's Good like point. Good I point. I can't do this right now while we're live. 
Yeah, he there, there's the, the repercussions have to come later. And the best thing that you could do for your entire brand is to play it out over the course of a couple of months, a couple of Wednesday nights, a couple of episodes, and like make them pay for it a little bit at a time. And I'm not talking about a screw job. I'm just saying you you take them back, you ratchet that back a little bit at a time, you put a little bit more pressure on, a little bit more pressure on. Don't do anything that's going to get anybody hurt. Don't get out there and say, "Hey, look, I want you to I want you to work this guy this time. I want you don't 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 f him up, but blah blah blah. You know, you know, don't want somebody to quit by teaching a lesson, brother. That's what I'm saying is that you teach somebody a lesson in in in, in that in small ways. Don't Either that, or you walk straight in and you're like. I'm firing you? No, that means you lost control of the situation. Yeah, and you're no, you're, you, you know, as the producer, you can't do that. Are, are you saying don't spank your kids in the grocery store? Wait till you get to the car. Oh, yeah. No, you, you turn around and explain. Me, every time my boy ever gave me a ton of grief, I didn't care what was going on. But that, this, this is my parenting style. It's just like, I don't care where we are. I don't care what we're doing. All right, let's 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 dial it in here. Let's tell me what like try to find a way to explain to me what it is that's going on with you. And my boy threw us some serious tantrums at weird times, and I just shut everybody out. I don't care what they're saying, what they're trying to tell me. And well, hey, here's my advice. You should t- blah blah blah. You know, it's just me and my boy, and that's the thing. That's a different relationship. What? But yeah, you can you can get that guy in a room and be like, I don't appreciate a damn thing that you did right there. You are causing a huge rift but dude it's a great thing if it is a work but at the same time you guys are abjectly saying it's not because it doesn't what what's the payoff it doesn't it doesn't compute yeah there's no there's no success there's no positive way to spin this why not i mean i'm 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 hoping for a work because it it comes off like the the guy in charge is losing control and that's that's what i'm saying last thing you want now, my so you, if you're sitting there and the guy's just like stroking his beard the whole time, and he's he looking was, at him, he's looking at he was stroking uh-huh. his beard the whole goddamn time. That is a natural reaction. What's up, Kitty? Come here. Now, now, my counterpoint to this, and I want to no. hand the mic over to Tony after this, mm-hmm. is that I used to DJ at gay clubs trying to wrangle fucking drag queens to fucking behave. <laughs> and that's a tough one. And, and it's it's like it's just like like I have the same emotions every time. Like it's like ten minutes before show starts. For a new era, and like, hey, brother, I've got a new song. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, like, uh, like handling wrestlers is, or wrangling wrestlers is more intense and way more dramatic than handling fucking drag queens. And I, I don't see that being an issue in AEW, considering the all-star quality they have. Um, Tony, can you take counter and and take everything we just said and and digest? Okay. Work. Um. Well, the thing about it, like, I really do kind of see it right now is like it seems to be almost like a little bit of two different camps. Okay. We've got the guys that came that came up through the indies and haven't had like a major run in any huge national companies in the United States. Yeah, because there was no reason to And you've got the guys that have. Ten minutes. Yeah. But like you know, um, you know, really my big take on it is, you know, CM Punk lost his cool. 
from what I've seen, it seems to me like this has been a long time coming. Like he's been waiting to be like this he, egotistical. No, not at all. Like this is like he's been very frustrated because the way things are run, and he doesn't agree with it. And he's it seems to me like he probably voiced these opinions privately, and freaking nothing was done about it. How are you going to look at this billionaire guy that pays your paycheck and be like, this is a business? How are you going to look him dead in the eyes like a man and say, this is a business? Like, it it came to that moment. That's not something you just do on the fly because you happen to be mad that day. That is something that you do because I have tried this with you and nothing has come from it. I've seen you lose your shit legit before, and it's because no. you've tried. Yeah. And freaking the guys that are basically, because, you know, they're EVPs or executive vice presidents of this company. No, thank you for, I kept saying we need to ask, what the heck are you guys trying to say yeah. about that? I thought you were yeah, talking the, about the, the, the I had Bucks, no idea what that acronym is. Omega EVPs <laughs> of this, they're executive vice presidents of this company. Yeah. And that's, that's where my huge, like, if they were just other wrestlers, Cool, you know, whatever. You know, you let them squabble, squabble it out, suspend them, cool, whatever. But these guys are your boss. Yeah. And they're beating down this door. Apparently, they kicked in the door and caused a fight instead of being like, I'm I'm your boss. We need to have a sit down about this. That's not okay. Yeah. Like, as, as uh, freaking the operations manager for a major corporation, freaking... There's a lot of times I want to say things I can't say. And I have to, and this is a relatively new job for me. So I have to freaking like sit back before I say things and be like, what, how am I going to word this properly to make sure I don't cross any type of line? Yeah, man. Yeah. You know, it feels stifling. It feels stifling. Like you're not expressing yourself enough because you got to, well, not even that. It's, it's, yeah, you got, you, yeah, but it's, it, you play the game. Yeah. Like if, if you're the boss, that's what's expected of you. And it's something that you should take seriously. And these guys decided to go down there with the intent of starting a fight, not the intent of breaking down a situation and trying to come up with a way to resolve it. Or setting up a conference to figure it out for us to cool down next week. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not they didn't let him go home and calm down and then come back next week and be like, "Hey, can we talk about this? Can we see where where the communication went wrong?" Yeah. No, they went down there, they beat down his door. Apparently they kicked it in and they had a fight. And freaking they had a fight in front of him, you know, him, a guy that he's the guy that trained him and the guy's wife that happened to be in the locker room at the time. And this dude's over here defending his wife on top of that. And freaking, you know, for all for everything I've heard, they got their asses whooped. Yeah. And wow. freaking, that's what they get for being dumbasses. You know, they freaking, they, they're in charge. They should have, they're held to a higher standard. They're I'm not. held to a higher standard. You are. And I, the, the point I was trying to get across with Colin, because he's not involved in wrestling himself as I wanted to get that point across. If this had happened in a regular company, everybody would be fired. Everyone. But it's pro wrestling. Oh, well, man, yeah. It's a regular pro wrestling, company? It's pro wrestling, what? So it's, it's, this you know, is contracts. 
Yeah. This is letting someone serve out your contract or telling them we're not buying your contract at the end. You can keep coming in or not. Uh, you know, this, you know, what, this isn't when, when you're, when you're a wrestler, when you're that level of wrestler, you're on one of the two largest wrestling organizations in existence. What are you going to do when you're not a wrestler anymore? Don't forget. So if you're going to go in there and bust chops and then get into this kind of trouble, what, I mean, you could be driving a cab. What happened to that one Lars guy? I mean, like, oh yeah, the Lars you can Sullivan? say something. What did he last say? Last I heard, he was freaking like an MMA training for MMA or training for boxing or something. Yes, yeah. I heard. I guess there's a million things you can do with that physicality and all of that other stuff. But like, you're never gonna have this. You know, I, I would hope that you're. Now this is just me talking. I don't know. I'm you know. Are you gonna have that much fun somewhere else, Tony? I, no. I, I didn't read that part that that the Bucks and Omega kicked the door down because these guys are pro wrestlers, but Punk has been training in MMA since like what, 2013, 14? And something along those lines, yeah. Whooped all their asses and uh goddamn. <laughs> that's in all fairness, it, in all fairness, it might have just been a steal. I've worked I've worked shows with A Steel. He's a he's a very well respected individual and very you know, he's he's a bad man. Uh, for he's not the kind of guy you want to mess with. Mm-hmm. So, but like, le- legitimately, freaking, when you're, you know, basically the second, third, fourth in command of a major national company, mm-hmm. you you can't be going out there half cocked, ready to fight somebody. That that's that's a bad look. Yeah, we've we've experienced similar situations uh, where someone just got a little bit heated, and we had to have a discussion and. Um, things didn't end so well for someone, and they they had to leave, and mm-hmm. that, that was only on just a fairly heated compared to this sort of situation. Yeah. And because um, when it comes to new era, I mean, like, like our our locker room is protected, and mm-hmm. and I thought if our locker room is protected, that. AEW would have something a little bit more in place or something more, I don't want to say professional because we were very professional, but in terms of like, you know, ready for. But you would, you would, regardless, like semantics aside, you would expect that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it, it is what it is. Exactly. And it just seems a little like. Man, I was. Thinking... It seems a lot like the uh, the inmates are running the asylum. Yeah. And but the, and that that's a lot of that's a lot of the bad press they need to avoid right now because that's a lot of you know they had enough reminiscence of WCW vibes going on especially after the last and freaking this this escalates that which is my, a large part of my reasoning behind it not being a work is because freaking this does really nothing but make the company look bad. The reason like I tonight, tonight's episode was amazing. It was great. It was phenomenal. It was everything it needed to be, and it was a total reset. It was a total reset. Um, the reason I brought up drag queens real quick is because that drag queens are, I thought, were the end all be all drama, but wrestlers are way mm-hmm. worse. And I figure, <laughs> and I figure that Tony Khan running the Jacksonville Jaguars probably has an even worse problem with the actual fucking like NFL players. 
that are getting paid millions of dollars and have a lot more on the line than what's going on with in between with the AEW wrestlers. Now, the other thing is is that um, freaking... Um, God, I lost my thought. Skipped out of my head. Um, that's why I'm thinking... That's why I'm thinking... That's my cornerstone that it's work. Um, okay. That Tony... well, let, me, let, me, let me alter that real quick. Because the difference between football and pro wrestling is that with football, it's all a group effort. It's you win as a team, you lose as a team. Yeah. In pro wrestling, you do, but you don't. Right. Again, like I said, you know, everything you do is about making your character bigger, making yourself bigger. You know, like I said, physical look, your ability to cut a promo, um, your the way you make connections. Your career could be dead in the water, and it could have absolutely nothing to do with any of the work you put in because somebody doesn't like you. But in the end, when you're in the ring, it's a team effort because you and your opponent are working together to, to in theory, um, have the best match possible for your spot on the card and to elevate the show overall. Sometimes that happens exactly as it should. And sometimes people, quote unquote, go into business for themselves and are only out to make themselves look good at the expense of their opponent. Happens, yeah, it gets exposed pretty quick, and next thing you know, you're off the or it makes a match, or, or it's John Michaels Hulk Hogan 2005 SummerSlam, and the match becomes leg- a legacy match because of Shawn Michaels' bullshit. Watch the match, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it, man. It just it's like I would hate for something to be great because of bullshit, and no. It, the thing about it is, if you're really good at it, nobody even knows. So consensus: Who says work? I I would like to say, based on not knowing enough about this, it doesn't feel like a work. But I hope it is, because I always hope for the opportunity to take something and cr- mold it into something creative. Even if it's real, it can still be molded into something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Like that's that's the big thing with MJF right now is, at, you know, it was at a work the entire time because it's currently a work. Correct. But at some point, it, it, either it was a work the entire time, or at some point it became it, it was a, it was legitimate, and then it became a work. Now, question. Yeah. Be, now, question before we move on, um, just a little sidebar here is that uh, the show ended. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing credits rolling, and I'm walking up to because I'm, I'm I've got it on my uh, iPad uh, Pro that's hooked up to my widescreen, and I'm seeing credits mm-hmm. rolling, and all of a sudden, okay, it's over, and then I'm about to unplug, and then MGF comes out, and I'm like, okay, it's him. He's in the suit. He's got the he's got the the gloves on, but that was not MJF that came out as the winner. He was too skinny. He was way too skinny. And, um, he might have been. It might have been. It, it, it like, and I, I, and I'm not trying to dispute that. Like, I think they they brought a skinny guy out there uh, that they're going to reveal as MGF later, so everyone would be confused. But I love the fact that they worked us as a crowd that the show's over, and all of a sudden it's not. <laughs> it's yeah. abs- it's absolutely not. I got lucky. I was I was I literally had my hand on the HDMI cord and was about to pull out. 
and freaking oh no, it's not <laughs> over. And um, but um, that's a first. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, guys. But uh, yeah, I, I like this. I like this sort of discussion. This is what Minefield's all about. And uh, yeah, this is interesting. Th- this is yeah. this is yeah. issue one fifty. Uh, it's about it's about a discourse. Um, Minefields was founded on a discourse. It was founded in uh, February nineteenth, twenty nineteen, by Colin and I. I uh, just wanted to publicize our uh, comic book conversations. We we had like a three hour conversation uh, while I was driving around, all butthurt about some girl. And uh, we decided to form the podcast, and uh, we've kept it going. Um, glad you're back, man. It's been a little bit. You've been like, we missed you because you've been working your ass off on many, many uh, movie sets and TV shows, and uh, we're holding the fort down. And life. And life. A little bit of life. A little bit of life in there. And, um, a lot Tony, less life than I'd like. <laughs> Tony, Tony Jones, and, uh, and. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And uh, what I wanted the show to be was like uh, previously on Minefields was uh, this is what we do and this is how we do it. Um, we've mentioned Abuela Friendly. We've mentioned a lot of different, very specific slang terms that we only use together. Um, but um, Colin and I, like I the pandemic hit and we said, screw it. Let's just read a bunch of like old school books like we did Craven's Last Hunt, which... Tony, you just got the last one last uh, two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, good books. Yeah, it was gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Freaking, I found X Men twenty seven for a dollar. Um, uh, what else? I got uncanny X Men twenty seven, not regular X Men twenty seven. Regular, yes. Thank you for making the distinction. I got my uh, my red set series two of uh, the freaking cards, and we were on the hunt all the time, and we've got a lot of things to discuss, and I want the. I want this episode, this issue, for people that have been listening to us for a little bit that might not understand all our vernacular to, to understand what we're doing. So, Tony, you joined the show in October of 2020. 2020? 2020. Um, yep. And uh, we've been rolling hard. Uh, we were working for uh, a Fed that we no longer discuss, and then uh, now we're working for New Era. Uh, Colin, you've been busting your ass on movie sets and like, tuning in every time you can to, to to be part of the show, and like you're always part of it. Just uh, we're just happen to be in the same city, me and Tony, and freaking you know going with New Era. But uh, uh, Tony, if you don't mind uh, explaining, uh, like uh, for people that are not too familiar with what, what's Abuela Friendly? Well, Abuela Friendly is basically. The thought process of uh, you know, cleaning up our language a little bit to conversation that if you were going to have a conversation with your grandmother, things you would use. You know, you don't want to you don't want to offend your grandmother. No. You know, sometimes you can let one slide and she'll kind of hee hee, that's kind of cute. Or sometimes she'll let something slide and you're like, Grandma. Yeah, she'd be like, I don't like you that, know? that fucking what a that, that what a puta. I'm like, damn, Grandma. Like, I just I, she just walked in the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, but uh, yeah, the thought process is just kind of keeping it, keeping it, you know, keeping the verbiage, you know, a little more family friendly without totally, you know, going crazy with it. Yeah. And it's also a nice way for me to make money to earn my uh, freaking giant size X-Men number one. Yeah. uh, Every time one of us curses, we owe the other one a dollar uh, for my calculation. Really? 
Yeah. Really? So, so far, I have like lost like three dollars. Josh, on the other hand, has lost like about one hundred and fifty. Because <laughs> we started this show a long, you know, all that time ago, and uh, I got to say, I've always tried to stay. Like, there's times where I will. I mean, in my regular life, I drop every f bomb that I can pull out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I, I don't understand why I have such a bad mouth and. God rest him, my dad, who had a, an amazing foul mouth and was characterized as being capable of uh, cursing in multiple languages. I'm not entirely... I mean, he did know some. But, uh, yeah, like, I, oh, I'm, sure I, I sure, <laughs> I'm sure I got a lot of it from him. But, uh, yeah, I remember... Captain Kirk. Yeah, where is... I mean, I've got a Kirk card here somewhere. Uh, the, uh, uh, I was just saying that was your father. Huh. Oh, my dad? I'm afraid not. Uh, he was a little bit more stable. Didn't wouldn't hook it up with everything. <laughs> uh, the uh, the uh, uh, probably Captain John Luke. <laughs> there you go. Hip, hip. My captain. Huzzah! All right, yeah, I'll drink to my dad. So anyway, things being what they are. What, um, are we, what are we all drinking? I got some uh, whiskey in my uh, Death Star shaped ice cube. Tony, you got some rum and coke there. Oh, of course, of course. I'm a simple man with stupid desires. vodka. Mm-hmm. The same stupid vodka I always drink. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's like I said, it's family friendly, yeah. and then yet again, a way for me to slowly work my way up to that giant size X Men number one. Yeah, it's like. What did your dad? But, but but Joshua, what did your dad say that one time? Oh, uh, when he called me out, like you curse too goddamn much, and I'm like. <laughs> and I, I'm looking at him totally like, just... I'm like, shit, are you listening to the show? <laughs> like, there you go. That's, a, that's what I'm talking about. And, and he's like, yeah, I listen to your show. Like, thought podcast was a bunch of assholes talking about shit they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And I'm like, wait a minute, you don't want me to curse? And he's like, yeah, I curse too much. And I'm like, <laughs> you said more if I, if I remember... If I remember correctly, I, I believe it was actually you doing a photo shoot for a, f- a family photo shoot, and the, the abuela was there. Yes. And no, it was uh, it was no, it was you and Viper. No, this was this it was, was it was this was your idea. This was your idea because. Uh, but but it was based on the conversation with you and Viper. Yeah, it was me and about Viper. Him when he was on the podcast. Yeah, it was me and Viper, and I was like, uh, thank you for reminding me of that. But this was your idea. Uh, because I was interviewing Viper. But it was based on that conversation with you and Viper. 100% based on that. Because uh, I, I did the IWC show like, a couple days beforehand. And um, we went through, like, uh, like Viper, I really love working with Viper because, Red Viper, um, he... Um, he's a luchador, just so you know, Colin. He's a luchador. Ooh, that's awesome. I need some yeah. luchadors He's in one of the life. best photos. Luchadores. He's one of the best fucking photos i've ever done like he just dropped down mm-hmm. and like I, the the lights caught everything just perfect in different colors and he used it as profile photo and then i i did a little mini photo set of him but like after we did the photos uh he hands me x amount of money and i'm like hey i already got paid for this and he's like no no no, no. take it and i'm like no i already got paid yeah. for this i'm already paid for it. he's like absolutely not take the fucking money and i'm like cool um like i get it and then um at halftime, or the intermission, I was like, hey, you want to do a, a gimmick I've wanted to do for a while? And he's like, sure, what do you got in mind? And I was like, uh, you're 
one of the champs, right? And I'm like, why don't we walk around during intermission and see who wants to take photos with you? And um, mm-hmm. we got mobbed. We got completely mobbed. I took like 300 photos uh, of just oh, yeah. like him. Like, okay, so people with their, their cell phones and, hey, look over there. Mm-hmm. And, and then we came up with a gimmick. Uh, we released like 150 photos of um, him and his fans. And we came up with a specific name for it. So we're doing the podcast. And because of that, because I met like, I'm pretty sure I met a couple of family members. And uh, uh, before we started, I told them the rules, like we always do. Uh, hey, uh, no shooting uh, unless you're passionate about something. It's, being passionate about something's different from being a shooter interview. It's like, you know, that bullshit. Yeah. Kind of, uh, uh, Kevin Nash interview, like, well, how much is a piece of shit of a Triple H? And then he looks all uncomfortable, like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, and he's like, cool. And then, then mm-hmm. it just occurred to me, I was like, wait a minute, your grandma's going to listen to this. And he's like, yeah, dude, my grandma is absolutely going to listen to this. And I'm like, well, let's just keep it abuela friendly. And I mentioned it to Tony. What a good word. Yeah. And I was uh, doing a photo shoot with um, uh, a very nice woman and gentleman uh, with their great-great-grandma. And the baby. And the baby. I was doing a four-generation photo. And I called Tony beforehand because I'm nervous. And he's like, hey, keep it abuela friendly. Keep it abuela friendly. Keep your mouth shut. And I was like putting on a V-neck, and he's like, "No, put on a button up <laughs> and some slacks." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" Yeah. And I was like, "All right, so abuela friendly." And then the next time we recorded, he's like, "Let's let's do abuela friendly." Grandma goes to sleep a little early, but she lets something slip every now and then where she says "puta weta" or something like that, and you're like, "God damn!" Yeah. Huh? And uh, so uh, every time something slips within Abuela Friendly, the other one was Tony gets a dollar. dollar. <laughs> yeah, Tony gets a fucking dollar. Tony gets a dollar. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I've got everything in tally marks here. I, I'm pretty sure I owe Tony probably 150 <laughs> bucks. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty close. I, I think it last. It was like 126 last time. Yeah, we counted. That. And I, I think I, I think I probably owe you about five or six bucks. Yeah, so I owe you 121 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's been cool because but I don't I, I don't remember how the money part started. I don't know if that was me or you on the money part. I, I remember the, the no. whole joke of just being funny. There's plenty of drinking on this it, show. It, I'm sure one of you guys came was, up with it. It was so. me. Oh, well, yeah, it was me because I was pissed off because I just lost the fucking last goddamn fucking motherfucking pay-per-view goddamn bet. pay-per-view fucking bet. I just happened to win enough to not open up open up because if I got Orange Cassidy, than, if I got less than four picks, I had to open up my Orange Cassidy, which he knew I loved very much. And thank okay. you. was that was that the one with the the freaking? I think was that the one you came over to the house for? Yeah, that was the power outage. One. <laughs> the whole joke, the whole joke, Colin, on this one because this is hilarious, is that freaking? It came down to the last match. It was the first Stadium Stampede match. His son had uh-huh. better picks than me. And freaking. Yeah, oh, my son, my son murdered him. It wasn't even funny. But, like, it all came down to this, the the main event of the show. And freaking the, uh, somebody hit a power freaking thing. Yeah, we heard And the power went out of my place. And Josh ended up going home. It didn't come on. The power outage didn't end for, like, another two hours. And yeah. by the grace of God, his pick actually won. 
the match. <laughs> so he, he didn't have to, because if, if they had lost, he would have had to open the Orange Cassidy. Yep. Uh, no, no, right. Not only would I had to open the Orange Cassidy, but I was not allowed to carefully open it. I had to rip it open and destroy the package. Yeah. Uncomfortable so, with that idea. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It came down to the last. Like we haven't had to do it since. Like it, it's always. He's always had a comfortable. He got far enough ahead that it wasn't an issue going forward. But that first, that first bet was freaking like the last match, dude. It was. It was it, like if they it, lost, it was a, he it was, was screwed. A, it was a nail biter, dude. I like have fun finding that Orange Cassidy, like the original one. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Um, yeah. I would have had to have the the latest one with the new shirt and the the darker jeans, and I would have looked at it and just stared at my fucking failure. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Right, so, but that is the uh, that's the history of Abuela Friendly. That's the history of Abuela Friendly. We right. we've loosened yeah. the rules tonight, but on to the next uh, awesome minefields gimmick is the Star Trek man like we've done so many next generation uh, now to put it in perspective I was dating a girl that this one guy that reviews a lot of shows and um, this row guy um, was trying to date this girl and I was dating her Aww. Okay. And uh, I got I got the reference. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, Colin, I've never mentioned it to you because he wouldn't have met him. But this guy um, is trying to date this girl, and uh, we went to a New Era show. And it was the third. Okay. It was the third New Era show I went to, and like she goes up to Stacy, and she's like, "I'm this and this this person." Stacy's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> and like, yeah. I, I know Stacy now. But, like, the way she looked at her, and, like, uh, I saw reluctant money get handed, but, like, after the show... Uh, reluctant money? <laughs> okay. No. Stacy does, does the uh, the concessions a lot of the time. Yeah, and... Uh, okay. Which is what he means by that. Yeah, uh, former... Uh, oh, I gotcha. Former co-owner, and um, uh, I see money getting handed, when it was expected this person was getting free, but after the show, uh, this other guy comes up to me, he's like, hey, you're the Minefields guy, you do the only podcast I listen to other than this one, because your Star Trek shows are awesome. And you, and All right, that's and, and amazing. You, and you just did Ethics. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, we just did Ethics, which is a an amazing issue or episode of uh, of Next Gen. Like, uh, tell us, uh, it's your turn. Like, what's our gimmick for uh, freaking uh, Star Trek Next Gen or Star Trek in general? Well, okay, it, it amounts to how – I know you were always trying to turn me on to Doctor Who. And, no, uh, no, I'd, Yes, no. shut the hell up, I'm talking. And – it's, it's not. It's not that I wasn't interested. It's that I wanted to watch it with somebody, and then you know you moved out of state, uh, and uh, it's not something I want to just sit around and try to watch every episode of by myself. Goddamn, Tony always smells bullshit. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but, but things being what they were, it was like I was always talking about Star Trek because I, you know, so many interesting things re- re- relate back to Star Trek episodes. There's, you know, there at the at the time we were talking about this, there were 700 
hours of content that you could pay attention to and you know films and movies and all this other films and films and tv shows and stuff and i'm always talking about it and you finally were like i don't know i don't know you sat you sat on and you started watching next generation and you were like this is really interesting this is good i like these people they're really professionals they respect one another they they trust one another and I was like, cool, let me embellish on that, you know? And I was saying, you know, these aren't just, this is the flagship of the Federation. This is, these are the best of the best because you're already probably the best person from your world if you're even making it into Starfleet Academy. And these people have been professionals for years, decades to be in position to be on the Enterprise. And we started talking about it like that and you were watching episode after episode and you were like, let's, let's, let's cover it on the show. And I was like, I don't understand how, what do you mean? And we were talking about the possibility of doing commentary tracks, not riff tracks. We didn't want to really make fun of anything, but no. we were, we were definitely like, I was trying to figure out how do we do that and not get sued. And it was like, okay, well, if we're watching it and we are containing the sound to ourselves, then we're recording a commentary track that anyone can watch or anyone can listen to while they're watching the episode. Yeah, and we, I know it's hard to play both volume track or both sound tracks at we, the same time, but we had double earphones in. Like I had, uh-huh. I, like we both had like our mini earphones in one ear with our earphones mm-hmm. listening to each other talk. And so we could, we, we'd hit, what, what, yeah. what we do, we hit like one, two, three, press play uh, on Netflix because that was the most best yeah. resolution. And then, so we could hear it in one ear and it wasn't broadcasting out of anything other than our headphones. And uh, mm-hmm. we would do a, uh, a show where you broke down all the intricities of it and I would break it down of how I, uh, loved how the story was written and like it's awesome because getting to experience the show with someone who's experiencing it for the first time as many times as i've seen all of these episodes and uh, it's such it's it's exciting and it's a relief and it's amazing to get a different perspective from somebody who doesn't have years of viewership under their belts um and uh, there was the idea that maybe we would commentary track every single episode, but that was you were ingesting the series so quickly that it was impossible, and we weren't even really taking that seriously. We still we would occasionally hit on. We oh, we got to, plenty that we need to do, we but got, we got discovery. Um, we got more to do because you you got, uh, not doing discovery. You've got uh, or not enterprise. Enterprise, I do love Enterprise. Okay, I'm, I'll, one of the, I'll, I'm one of the Trek fans that loves Enterprise. I'll skip straight uh, to Enterprise for you, man. But like, we, we it's get... not really a skip. You're backtracking. It's a prequel. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty nice to do that because it's easy for you because like you've already seen them all. But like, uh... see, that's the thing. I haven't rewatched them in at least five years. Well, tell and them. That's the, that's the thing. Next Generation is something that's just constantly on BBC or it's constantly on, now it's on Pluto Network on my streaming, whatever. And it's like, that. the, the whole business of, of it is like that I had the back history of having worked for the auction and getting my hands all over props and costumes and stuff like that. And then being able to get into an episode and be like, oh yeah, well here's this thing I found out while so- I was... 
tell us doing the, that stuff. Tell us the story of when you were wearing that particular belt when you met Will Wheaton. Oh yeah, like okay, so there's only one there's there's one interesting there's a lot of interesting episodes. There's one in particular that was really rad because uh they Will Wheaton wasn't in every episode, but he was um he was featured in the episode Yesterday's Enterprise, where uh suddenly Worf isn't on the ship but Tasha Yar is back and she had been killed in the first oh, season. God. Uh and um Tasha Yar. Um, she, uh, she, uh, so to have her back suddenly was like a huge, strange thing at the beginning of that episode because a ship from the 23rd century, a Federation ship, reappears in the 24th century, and they find out through the course of the episode that because this ship reappeared, it caused a rift in time. And, and this ship was the Enterprise C. The ship that we're used to is the Enterprise D Kelsey in the Grimmer? lineage of... of uh, no, no, no. He's not... Different. different uh, that's a different... Diff, episode. Diff, that's, different that's, time that's, travel. Different time travel. Yeah, that's cause and effect. This is yesterday's Enterprise. And uh, um, which, oddly enough, somebody that I was watching a YouTube channel the other day totally screwed up and said that Kelsey Grammer was a former captain of an Enterprise. That's absolutely incorrect. Um, but, uh, things being what they were, the Federation had been, was on the losing end of a war with the Klingon Empire that had been going on for more than 20 years in this episode. And they all had a more militaristic look. They, as a TV series, couldn't change, it couldn't, didn't have enough budget to change everybody's wardrobe so much that they would be using completely different costumes. So what they did was they put these nylon belts or what we call sam brown belts uh it's what a lot of you'll, you'll look at like world war ii and see a lot of british uh soldiers wear this belt that affixes to a shoulder strap because yeah. you're carrying a sword or a handgun that's really heavy or something like that and so these starfleet uniforms had these sam brown belts that were futuristic in nylon and they had cool little resin Starfleet emblems on them that were buckles, but they really weren't because they were just Velcro. And um, so doing the auction, my buddy Brian, uh, he was, he was, he just uncovered. He's like, look at this box of weird belts. What do you think this is? And, and, and as soon as we put one on, because half the time you had to like, you just get a wad of textile and you're like, I don't know what this is. You'd like, okay, well maybe it's, and then you're like, Oh my God! You know what this is, and you have this flash of excitement, and you're like, "This is those, these are those belts that they were in yesterday's Enterprise." And then you start realizing that somebody's name is sharpied in on the back of it: Troy, Crusher, uh, Riker, or something like that. And you, oh my God! You know, every every couple of days we'd have this moment. So then we're at that's freaking awesome. Yeah, we're at Very like the awesome. 2007, I think, Very creation awesome. convention, and. Um, we uh and well we the was there. You got the card? I'm look I'm looking I'm it's within arm's reach. I'm looking for it right now. Uh and we are uh and here's here's my signed uh my signed uh reg, if that does anything for you. My signed Dwight Schultz. Nice. Anyway, so um Fuck we it. uh <laughs> it's it's Murdoch, it's, uh, man. It's Murdoch. Dude, it's so it's so it's Murdoch, Murdoch from the A team. That's... We uh, oh here's here's the other one. This is the this you're getting one of these ultimately. 
better good. I know that's hard to see with no, the with dude, the top I, loader I, on I, it. I but uh, anyway, motherfucker. He was. Uh, it says hey. He says was hey. What's first, up, Colin, or something? He was the first A Team action figure I bought over Mr. T because I preferred Murdoch <laughs> over Mr. T yeah. because he was the psycho. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, I'm I'm standing there and I'm talking to Will Wheaton who's signing stuff, and I'm like, of course I'm gonna get my game card signed, and uh, and he's like, I'm in an authentic command red Starfleet uniform that fits me, and you know I don't know whose it was off the top of my head, but um, I put that I had that belt on, and he was like, Are you wearing a yesterday's Enterprise belt? And I'm like. Yeah, yeah, totally. And he's like, I haven't been to dozens of conventions. I've never seen anyone wear one of those before. Did you make that? And I was like, no, it's authentic. And he was like, what do you mean? I tell him about the auction and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I absolutely had yours in there. And he was like, oh, my God. So he was just thrilled. Yeah, check it out. This is my signed. Here, I'll pull it out of the top loader so you guys get less glare. But. So there you go. It is the best nice. signature of anyone I've ever had sign one of these game cards. So and if anybody's wondering what we're talking about, it's the Decipher Star Trek, the customizable card game uh, cards, which has been an idiotic passion of mine since it started coming out in 1994. So he signed uh, that I'm bl- really close to completing the collection. He signed that blindly while he was sucking your dick off in a urinal. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I'm taking, not at all. That's I'm not ta- part I'm of the taking, story. I'm taking a one dollar. This, this is why we go boiler friendly. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is... I'm taking the one dollar on that one. 50 cents a <laughs> Oh, it's not even a dollar tonight. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just saying this is this is why we go boiler friendly. Yes, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is exactly why. Now, this is a great. This is a. This isn't just now an anniversary episode. Now this feels like a reunion episode. I'm, now I'm a little really bit entertained a little by bit. this. Now, Colin, I need you to take the reins on this one too because we have oh, another dear. slang. Um, tell us about the limit pushing, because limit pushing. Oh well. Limit pushing is something we use. I don't think we've ever had a conversation in the past four years without using limit pushing. It happens. I mean, I'm not okay. You, you've always. I like to preface things with the back kid story, but like you have always been entertained by the notion that every time the cops or the DEA or ATF pulls over some no account hack villains in the world yes. uh, or yes. raids their stupid, yes, you know compound if you even want to call it that when it's just their rental home and yeah in in miami Apartment or 4B. whatever <laughs> exactly they these idiots all have some kind of chintzy scarface paraphernalia Every in the time. house some Every kind time. of remembrance of tony montana you know uh, al pacino in in scarface the brian de palma movie they said your name tony. that is really epically good and really epically quotable and you know if you haven't seen it you know you're probably watching the wrong channel but like or listening to the wrong show but like it's not something that we're all obsessed with like the three of us don't sit here and talk about scarface all the time but it is a fascinating thing and um, now, now, before you t- take it to the limit, now, you know. Oh, yeah, you've got a copy. Got Tony's the, got a copy he's got right the there. Copy. 
now, of course I've got now, a copy. Who, who now, sings the song? It is now. Now let me take over while you take over the the next part. So, I'm I'm gonna find out who the song is here. So um, I can't remember. So uh, there was an awesome issue of Playboy that came out like freaking like fucking twelve years ago, and uh, it was like a twelve page, uh, wonderful articulation of the making of Scarface. They interviewed everybody. The only person they didn't interview was, oh, nice. was Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer refused really? refused because of how bad Brian De Palma treated her on set. But he treated her as shitty as she could, as he could, because he wanted her to feel her to feel isolated from the rest of the cast, which uh, what she should have been. That's now sick, but it is being a director. Now uh, De Palma is talking about how he's directing the movie, but who's the guy that actually wrote it? Um, um, help me out here. Um, the song or the show? The show. the The movie was written. The movie was directed by De Palma, but the movie was written by uh, the guy that uh, Oliver Stone. Oliver Stone. Okay. Uh, in the interview, it was like I'm. Ta- I'm talking like 12, 14 pages of a Playboy interview where he's talking about spending his days uh, hanging out with the DEA, learning out, learning what the DEA is doing to stop drug trafficking from Cuba. And Puerto Rico and all these other different places, and he spent his nights coked out of his goddamn mind, hanging out with the actual fucking cartels. Like, mm-hmm. like, can you imagine that? Now, I can, but only because when uh, Colin Farrell was prepping for his role Miami on Miami Vice, Miami Vice, baby, they, they <laughs> staged because no one would do this now. Because of insurance liabilities and stuff like that. This was the 80s. This is 1982 when they were getting ready to do Scarface. Yeah. Brian De Palma's going to go and hang with the real deal out there and learn Oliver, how to deal Oliver with that. Oliver Stone. Or Oliver Stone. Yeah. But, like, nobody's going to do that in 2006 in my, for, for Miami Vice. Correct. The movie... Uh, with a bankable superstar, you know? Correct. Like, yeah, I don't even know if now, Colin Farrell is actually a superstar, now, but he was good in Batman. No, well, he, um, was, he was great in the main vice. Jamie Foxx was wonderful, especially when he's like, oh, what do you want to do, motherfucker? Like, you want to oh, do dude, business? Dominic! Yeah, Dominic. Dude, I just worked with a guy that was in that. Dominic, uh, what is Dominic's last name? Oh, my God, I have to figure this out. Now, oh, carry on. Now, um, my favorite part of the movie... Was because I had just got uh, I had just gotten over well I was getting over a really bad breakup and I was watching Scarface mm-hmm. every day, like like <laughs> okay. uh, and to just queer it up was because fucking uh, Trent Reznor when he went over a bad breakup was watching Taxi Driver every single day so I decided to pick something completely fucked up to watch every day to calm my nerves. And I landed on Scarface. Yeah. And then that article came out. And then the one thing about Scarface that calmed my nerves was the push it to the limit. Yeah, man. Scene. Like, done it. Like, there's like five different remixes of it. And, uh. Oh, sure. And, uh, I've got all of them. But, like, it's the push it to the limit. And you and I, it became our mantra. Are you push like like mm-hmm. like you were working? Are you limit off? pushing? Are you limit pushing? Like that's like we would check in on each other. We didn't have to be like, hey, how are you feeling? Are you pressed today? Uh, no. Are you limit pushing? Are you going past 
further than you can. Yeah, I pushed the limit the fucking day. And uh, that was that became our mantra. And um, Tony, limit pushing. How many times have I asked you? I, I think I've asked you every single time <laughs> I've ever talked to you. Have you pushed the limit today? Yeah, at least three times. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I could only do 65 shots. God, but man. I did seventy. That's a that's pushing yeah, the limit. That, that's so that pushing the limit. So <laughs> one, one of the ethos for minefields is: Are you pushing the fucking limit? How tired are you, motherfucker? Pretty you, tired. Like, hey, I, I call I call Tony and be like, yeah, today sucks. And you're like, what time did you get up? Like ten. I'm like, I had to get up at five. We went to sleep at two. Uh, we we finished recording minefields at two, and I had to get up at five. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still pushing the limit. But like with Colin, like, like we like, how's the limit today? I'll tell you what my limit has been for the last six months. It's getting to work at whatever. It's getting up two hours before work so I can have coffee, get cleaned up, and have my allergies under control before I go. I get there. I have to be ready at call time. I have to be. Doesn't matter what. Where we are in town, if it's an, a half an hour drive, if it's a 15-minute drive, if it's a 45-minute drive somewhere, I have to be there ready to work with my cart ready, my gear ready at call time. Like, I can't just show up and it's like, then I'm going to go grab breakfast and then I'm going to drag my stuff around. Like, no, that's just not how it works. And then, and I'm on all day. Like, I've just been on. I don't sit down. And it just, you know, you, you stop and have a meal six hours after call. Like, we don't freaking, as humans, operate like that. Like, you eat when you're hungry because you got up and, like, it, if, it, if, I get, if I started at 7.30, if I started at 6, if I start at 10, that meal is six hours later. And it's like, oh, my God. And that's the entire industry. And then you continue to work after that. You've got a half an hour to eat. And then it's like you're still standing up and you're still going. It's just it's been an endurance challenge because it just pound water, just stay hydrated, just keep going, get home, get cleaned up, see if you've got time to eat, listen to somebody be upset about their day. It's a whole thing. I'm awake for an hour and a half when I get home from work, and about an hour of that, I'm no good to anybody. I'm so tired by that point that I'm just like I went from 186 rotations per minute on that record player down to like 34 and i'm just like i you know hey i'm sorry and it hit I, you. I gotta go to bed i can't i just can't no it's okay you go to bed i get it too and i was like, all right cool i know or she's going to bed early because she's got to be there probably three or four hours before me to dress 300 background and it's just walking funny oh oh my god oh shut it and like and and yeah it's just been that's it. It's an endurance challenge. A TV series is a very different thing than doing a movie because it's like, cool, I can do this for three months. No, this has been like, I can do this for six months. <sighs> Tell yeah, me what's the limit. It'll get you. Dominic Lombardisi is who I just worked with who was in Miami Vice, the feature film in 2006. Played Detective Switek. Tony, what's the limit? Yeah. Um, fuck, man. Limits, you know, limits working, you know, expecting to work eight hours and working 11. Oh, yeah. Freaking, that's, that's definitely been happening more often than not. Freaking having to talk, talk some customer down because freaking their medications 
not ready or their medication's freaking on its way because we started a new program that people that don't work in the pharmacy thought was a good idea. Freaking, you know, freaking uh, limit pushing's doing, uh, waking up one morning doing five shots. The next day you're waking up doing 70 shots, different medications, different freaking, you know, you're doing a COVID shot, you're doing a Shingrick shot, you're doing a Tdap shot, you're doing freaking 50 flu shots. Freaking all because the military decided um, they needed all their guys needed to freaking get their shots done and freaking uh, they got to do it today. But freaking then they also decided to close down the place they normally go to get their shots. So you got to go to Walgreens and then going home and hanging out. With and your somehow, boy. and somehow you're supposed to wrestle in there, dude. Oh, I'm not even. I'm not even wrestling at the moment. I'm looking for a fight. <laughs> that's, a, that's another conversation for another day, son. Shoot, I got freaking you know, and doing that while you got ten staples in your head, uh, freaking because somebody freaking decided it was a good idea to whack you in the head with a chair. And this guy didn't think to ask me that he didn't have to go to urgent care. I know how to get staples out of heads. Remember? I, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I. I do. I'd rather pay for it. <laughs> do, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather. I'd rather let the professionals handle it. I am a professional when it comes to head wounds. I have had twelve concussions in my life. I haven't had that many, but I've had enough. I've had twelve. Oh, fucker! That doesn't mean you know how to handle it. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I do know. How, <laughs> I do know how to have staples in the head. I can also help. No, Ben, you. you're my boy, but no. <laughs> I can also understand. No, no, no. <laughs> no. I think I think that it sounds like an honor challenge. No, we're not doing that because the last time I walked in a new era and there's blood everywhere and Tony's in the hospital and my knees buckle and Jeff's like, he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing his best Taz impersonation. He's covering his head with a towel right now. Jesus Christ, man. That was not a good day for me, man. Fucking. For you, I'm, I'm sorry. I inconvenienced you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am sorry my freaking head wound inconvenienced you in your football game. It did not inconvenience <laughs> me. It just, it just, it took my breath away. <laughs> All right, your turn. Dark. Ethos. Dark. Oh, that's just, uh, you know, Abuela's going to bed, freaking, we get to talk about whatever we want to talk about, freaking staying up late, freaking drinking, freaking whatever sodas we can find, playing video games till five in the morning, Yeah. freaking talking about whatever, you know, talking about, talking about girls and dreaming about money. Swamp thing. Freaking, that's freaking all that is. We can't, we can't do John Constantine, like, uh, I was, we were, we were trying to do Dark on Friday, but, like, fucking, it, like, the night ran away on us, but fucking, like... I wanted to talk about uh, the Sandman because, like, mm-hmm. there's no way I can talk me personally talk about the Sandman and do it on regular minefields because uh, I had an ex text me that I look like the Corinthian, and I was like, "No, I don't." And she's like, yeah, the guy with mouse for eyes. Yeah, the guy with mouse for eyes. And I'm like, yeah. Oh. And uh, Colin, it was, <laughs> Colin, it was Cameron. Who? Cameron. I can see Colin being Cameron. That makes sense. 
Oh, you think I look like somebody? No, Cameron. It was Cameron that texted me that she wasn't. She was sending me a message that I was a nightmare, and that did kind of make me feel good because, like, bitch, you're thinking about me. All right, fine. Uh, but dude, what, what what somebody somebody calling or somebody calling or texting you under any circumstances, whether they are trying to tell you something crappy. I don't, I don't good. look. It's, I don't it's look a like, come on. I don't look like a five foot eight white guy with blonde hair with circle glasses that I've never worn. And she says I look like the Corinthian bitch. I get your fucking message. Now, here's the deal. I don't care. Keep fucking. Anyway, that's not here nor there. This is why we can only talk about the Corinthian on dork. <laughs> and um, gotcha. And dark. So, like, uh, the next one we're gonna do is Sandman, and we still gotta do Arkham. And uh, oh yeah, I want to get into Arkham. That's that was, yeah. that was a great read. We gotta go, you gotta Arkham. Uh, pretty much, um, there's a lot of like old school dark comics that not that are. Pretty Josh much... wants to talk about Vertigo. Yeah, I want to talk. Are, about we, are we segueing out of Let out me. of last time on Minefields and into comics? Is this the segue? No, this is not. This is not no, we're going to get into like top ten of each and all that nonsense. No, I don't, oh, yeah. there's only certain. Because like, I want to play. <laughs> yeah, we we. Uh, but no, uh, it, it's it's a actually, different yeah, it's a different variation. But it's it's freaking it's fun. It's awesome. It's freaking we let loose. We have some drinks. We freaking enjoy a darker read that we can both enjoy. Which remember we at some point do fell. Yeah. Uh, oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, I gotta reread those. We, we gotta re- we gotta prepare for fell. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah! Oh damn! I got to prepare for that tenth issue at some point. Hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got to prepare for fell, but um, yeah, it, the dark is like there's certain things like within regular Abuela friendly minefields that we can't get into. We can't talk about Swamp Thing. We can't talk about uh, the closet. We can't do any, pretty much any of the black labels. black label. At all, um, and uh, we keep it reasonable because, like, we're able to wrangle things in with uh, regular minefields. Um, but the we've done very unabuela friendly um, back in the day, but like we're we're trying to you know sanction it off. Like, okay, here's when we're gonna go a little bit like you know pour yourself a drink and you know open up a book or. Uh, Sandman cannot be talked about on regular minefields, uh, especially yeah. Corinthian wise. And um, but uh, the complete opposite. While we're on the subject, um, let's talk about the ethos for New Era. You know, New Era Wrestling. Uh, next show of coming it. up. Next show coming up, September tenth. This Saturday, September tenth. This Saturday, uh, revenge. Revenge. We've got a, a, a big show coming up. Fifteen dollars if you are anything older than thirteen years old, and uh, freaking show up early to get the collector tickets and get the uh, maybe get some uh, signed posters and make sure you get a seat because it, it has become standing room only at New Era. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we got a, we got a special guest coming in. We got Sinbo D, former uh, former NWA Tag Team Champion. Former freaking Impact superstar, former WWE superstars, Kazarni, freaking trained alongside uh, 
Edge at Christian. Oh, that guy. Um, freaking, yeah, freaking uh, trained under Jake the Snake Roberts for quite a while. Um, you know, freaking a big part <laughs> of uh, the Las Vegas wrestling scene as far as training uh, international talent that has been on WWE, freaking traveled abroad, um, freaking, you know, pretty good guy taking oh, on our defending champion, you mean Joey that guy's, Kincaid. That guy's coming to fight Kincaid? Oh. For the belt. Oh, for the belt. Be there, be square. You're only going to need a little bit of that chair. Exactly. Oh, that was a good little rhyme. But yeah, no, we got that. We got a first time ever matchup between a freaking the exotic panther Tyra Rusume versus freaking Heidi, the Heidi Rad Howitzer. Warrior Heidi Howitzer. That's the one I'm really looking forward to because, like, uh, the like the one thing about Tyra is that she always puts over everyone that she wrestles, and this time I don't think it's gonna be an issue in terms of like putting someone over new over in in general like i think i think that's going to be the 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 barn burner okay very well could be very well could be freaking out tyra you know we got freaking eight solid matches freaking that's going to be that could possibly still the show you know freaking that's got some uh, great competition coming up we got freaking you know it's always fun over at good old mile high we can have a we're gonna have a party yeah, show up early. Uh, Freaking uh, peruse some comics. Make sure you know that the gimmick is sixty percent off, and the the prices are a little bit overpriced. But like, just follow the uh, rules for the the gimmicks and uh, freaking uh, yeah, no, uh, no. Not overpriced. Not overpriced if you know a guy. <laughs> if, you, if you know a guy, freaking uh, that's like uh, my spawn box, man. Remember, remember how obsessed I was about that. <laughs> like, yep. I gotta have that box. Like fucking um, one month, uh, they had a bunch of bo- uh, crates wrapped in fucking like foil. Uh, the not foil, the plastic wrap, and in all the crates, I saw a black box with a spawn logo, and I had to mm. have it. And um, I asked. We went back the next month, and first thing I did went and found our favorite long-haired gentleman. What's his name? Uh, Cleo. I don't know. I never remember his name. He's a good ass guy, but uh, he. I always call him Cleo. He goes good ass that guy. He goes and he pulls the box out. He says, "There's a bunch of comics in here. I'm like, I don't want those comics. I want the fucking box." And uh, he comes up to me. Uh, this box is worth hundred and twenty dollars in eBay right now. I'm like, I'm not paying hundred dollars for that. Hundred twenty. And he's like, How about fifty? I'm like, How about twenty five? And he's like, Give me a minute. <laughs> and. Uh, that box was part of a weird promotion, image promotion, and it is not a standard box. It's got all these open folds and stuff, and uh, Tony knows um, that that's where all my cherries are. Mm-hmm. That's where all the cherries are. If there's a fire in my house, I'm grabbing my, my guitar, uh, my wallet, and that spawn box. And if everything else sets on fire, <laughs> and my computer, if everything else sets on fire, but... Uh, Mile High is reasonable, and I uh, just got to figure out the gimmicks that they got going on. But hey, you know, fifteen bucks for uh, an ass in the seat, or just stand your ass up and enjoy some awesome shit. That's what happens. Uh, we're not just trying to put it over. I mean, like, we don't really have any real connection to that Fed, do we? 
to the yeah we do yeah we do <laughs> yeah yeah we're, we're, this is complete we do yeah no offense if you don't think you're very you know, if you work for a fed and you don't think it's the best fed in the area freaking what are you doing it is the best goddamn fed in the area. like take pride in your work take pride in what you do and enjoy it we have the best make it the best you can be we have the backs best backs backstage absolute best exactly. backstage. Uh, we've got four cameras going. We've got best commentary. We've got uh, one Zoom recorder recording a possible podcast. I mean, like we're 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 doing everything we can. Blockbuster's kicking ass. Blockbuster gets no less than two fifty views an episode. Awesome. It happens. You know. Yeah. We're putting it out there. But, uh, That's the whole point, and I'll try to make it grow every time. But tell us the ethos behind uh, that you and uh, our uh, other uh, business partners uh, have when you're writing the stories, because it's family-friendly. We advertise as family-friendly. Now... That's uh-huh. a difficult thing because when you when you see family friendly, you think like you're gonna get freaking like something that's not as entertaining. That's yeah, not, no, I mean that's it's really not, the thought process. It's 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 pushing yourself through limitations. You're trying to find out the best the best way to make something that everybody's gonna enjoy. You know, I'm a big personal and big believer of three ring circus mentality. You know, if you don't like the uh, if you don't like the lion tamers, you might like the trapeze artist. You don't like the trapeze artist, you might like the clowns. Or the freak show. Freaking yeah, yeah. You might like, you might enjoy freaking any number of things. But we try to provide, you know, an appropriate uh, avenue for everybody to enjoy the show. Hmm. You know, it's a whole lot easier to freaking go outside, oh, I'm a, I'm a bad guy, so I'm going to throw up the middle finger and screw you and this and that. No. Sometimes you limit yourself a little bit. you got to think a little bit harder to get that reaction from people. And, you know, if you do and you're able to work it well, you might just make yourself a success. Now, one of the things about New Era is that uh, two of the people that produce the show are usually late. I'm not saying it's you and I, but uh, these guys uh, get together in the morning. We head out. We get the we get the uh, one of the things I love the most um, being backstage at a bunch of different locker rooms is the fact that we've got printouts for all the wrestlers for the card. We've got everything just like we've got the backstage absolutely handled. Um, mm-hmm. I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, or like two months ago, um, Jules came backstage and I'm like, "Hey, can I talk to you?" And she like thought she was in trouble, and that like really kind of disturbed me because I've only met Jules like twice, and uh, freaking, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Hey, we've got, we've got some big plans for you." She's like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Like she like she she was expected she was expecting bad news, and." Um, mm-hmm. And that sucks because that means she's been in some locker rooms where that sort of conversation was shitty or or not what she wanted. And I was like, so we're expecting a lot of you this this show. Um, We're going to put you on the ticket. I'm getting put on the ticket? And I'm like, yeah, you're getting put on the ticket. And um, also, I need these promos out of you because of this, this, and this because you're calling out this person. 
And then we also need some promos out of you for, like, the next show for Blockbuster. And she's like, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it wasn't... It wasn't her enthusiasm, like, her, or let me phrase that. It wasn't her thankfulness that we were putting her over. It was her enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It was her enthusiasm, yeah. like, that she was, like, absolutely, like, like she was not expecting that at the show. And she delivered. Oh, my God, yeah. did she deliver. Like, 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 that, that match with her and, um, it was, uh, her and Reagan. Yeah. She delivered. Like, like it, it mm-hmm. set a fire to her. And then uh, we uh, also talked to Reagan and did more promos with Reagan and did the intros for Blockbuster. And it was just like, we believe what we're doing. And the fact that they believed in it and were... Th- it's not being thankful. That's not what I'm saying. It was just their enthusiasm for it. Um, yeah. It really lit a fucking fire in my ass that, like... Finally, I'm seeing it from them being excited for it or being part of something extra mm-hmm. than just like because you always say wrestlers just want to wrestle. Okay, wrestlers want to wrestle. They do a match. Okay, whatever. But like when they get the extra stuff and putting them over like that, I love it, man. I love. Yeah. I love like okay. We need two promos for this. I need you to stay still, look this way, look this way, look this way, because we're going to take a bunch of photos. I need this filmed in front of this, and okay. And uh, it's the complete opposite of where we used to work, where we got nothing but pushback. And um, Mm -hmm. the ethos for New Era has just been like, hey, do you want to work with New Era? Yeah, okay, we're going to put you over in every way we possibly can. Yep, that's kind of the point, man. Drinking the more, the more you're over, the more people like you, the more people like you, the more they're going to come back. The more they come back, the more they're going to buy your merchandise. The more they want to buy your merchandise, the more they're going to freaking enjoy the show. Oh, you want to play ball? Simple yeah. as that. Great. Let's keep playing ball. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Indeed. It, it's it's just like that, man. And the backstage is protected. Anytime is anyone, anyone, only... There's only been one time where we had to settle things down backstage, but that's one time more than like 30 in the past two years than we've heard from other feds. And fucking. No, you're not wrong. And fucking. Uh, it's not like, how dare you? No, it's more like, hey, like. Sorry, man. Like, we, we appreciate you, but. Like, Can't have that. You gotta go. We can't have it. It's not like, fuck you, you gotta go. It's like, hey man, we appreciate you, but like, we can't have that. And that's, that's, exactly. Col- Colin, that's how we approach our backstage. That's how we approach our backstage. Like, you either, you're either there for the safety of others and taking care of people and perpetuating the show, regardless if something got changed last minute, or you wanna be. Or you're not. Or, or not, yeah. Yeah, like straight line. Either part of the team or not, and you need to straight line in the sand. Need to handle that situation. Straight line in the sand, and um, you'll still be on the the photos on the site, but we appreciate your effort. But um, there's other people that really want to do well, and sorry that you malfunctioned tonight. Yeah, that's basically like how I feel about it. Every time it's like, so you malfunctioned, okay. Well, good luck. 
Pretty much. We're sorry you malfunctioned. We appreciate you, but you malfunctioned. But uh, let's take, exactly. Let's take a quick little break because we got our top ten comics and a few other things going in. Because I'm about to pee my cool. pants. All right. Sounds like a plan. Let's get that going, and we'll get this done. Colin, drink some Do coffee. It. Take an espresso. Oh my god. You white boys always have espressos oh, in your house. Or, or let's get through this. We can all go to bed. Yeah, I know, right? Yep, let's it's, do it. Let's pee. Only, let's see what we gotta do. It's only 12.30. Tony, we finished at like 3 o'clock last time. <laughs> it's 1.30 here, and I'm supposed to be up at 6. Let's right. go. Well, go pee. Go do it. Baloney has a first name. It's a OSCA. My Baloney has a second name. M A Y E R. in Iowa. Damn it. Dude, this episode is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Sorry, I'm double checking all my eBay stuff at the moment. Alright, well, tell me how much that fucking Action Comics one is. Oh, it's freaking like $40 plus ship or nah, shipping or something. It's like $35.99 plus shipping. And then it'd be like a couple dollars more for like the tax and whatnot. You're getting $45.39. I'm glad you won. 50 bucks, little man. Put that shit in my hand. If that shit doesn't show. 
If that money doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, owe. Oh. I get no the motherfucking time. You mean that gay ass band from the bridge? In the 80s? Alright. I had to get my. All right, we're back. Oh, we got it all, all at the same time that time. We did. Now, it is the 150th of the comics episode. So we're each mm-hmm. going to talk about our uh, top 10 favorite comic books we've ever read. The ones we've read over and over and over. Our favorite action figure and our favorite card set. Colin, you go first. Oh, man. All right. Uh, I got my list. I don't think I really did this in any particular order. Um, I'm going to be, you know, yeah, it isn't really a particular order for favorite, really. I'm not sure. I mean, I have a reason for all of these things. That's the problem. I got a reason for everything. Uh, let me start here. And it's, I don't feel like these are anything we haven't ever talked about before, but uh, they, these things find their way onto other lists and, and whatever. But uh, do. probably this isn't the first comic book I ever saw or read, but it was one of the first comic books I ever had. And uh, it's uh, Batman Annual 1991, uh, the Armageddon, two th- or Batman Annual number 15 from 1991. It was the Armageddon 2001 storyline. And um, okay. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one, but I've definitely talked about it in the past. I just remember being a kid, and we're just a couple of years removed from the, bat- the 89 Batman film, so it's hot on everybody's mind and i'm walking around in this weird little strip mall in my town and there is a comic book on the ground it was a gray rainy day i picked up this book and it was this issue and i i took it home and i dried it out and i was just like oh man these are comic books are supposed to be worth something i can't believe this i found a free comic book and i, I read this thing after i dry it out i had to peel pages apart from the from the rain it was just and it was such a story. It is a story of Batman in the future being put in prison and then uh, uh, somebody else running around being Batman for a while, getting him out. He got framed for the murder of the penguin. And uh, while Batman was in Doja. jail... Yeah, uh, yeah, Doja Cat, in fact, was involved. It was the cat, Catwoman is running around trying to investigate... Uh, Batman being put away, and, or why, why, you know, how the, how the penguin got killed. She fights Killer Croc. Um, nice. All of these crazy things happen in it. And I was like, is this like, because I didn't have that much exposure to comic books. So I'm reading this thing and I'm like, is this, is this how it's all supposed to end for Batman? Why, why would they do this? You know, and it was such a self contained story because all of the annuals that year were the Armageddon 2001 storyline. Uh, there's a character from the future going around to all of the DC superheroes trying to come into contact with them in an effort to find which superhero was going to become their worst enemy in the future, a character I believe called the Monarch. So this guy, the Wave Rider, was going around, and this was the story that he figured out from coming into personal contact with Batman. Uh, and it was just so rad. A self-contained storyline. 
a frame job, an investigation. It was just so good. Um, and I, and yeah, Joshua and I have talked about this uh, a dozen times, the idea that we rescue things. I have found mm-hmm. this comic in varying condition occasionally, and like every once in a while, uh, I got to get him back. He's, oh, he's wearing his Beetlejuice shirt. Um, get him, get him, come on, come on. He stepped away. Come on, put, yeah. So There's we're talking about the shirt. idea. Now, yeah, that's right. We're talking about rescuing comics. I mean, I rescued this book, and then years later, I found it in perfect condition. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to just buy another co- I'm going to buy a copy of this. I still have that original beat-up, dried-out book. Yeah, just it's in a bag and board. It's, it's an artifact. But the idea that we rescue stuff, is that's where this started for me. Uh, That was so good. Um, Marvel's G.I. Joe number 155. This is the last issue of the Marvel G.I. Joe run. It started off strong. It meandered around a little bit. It tried a little too hard to be sci-fi. Came back to being an extraordinarily respectable military comic. And uh, except for the Nam, I would say it is the best mili- military comic book ever. Uh, and um, it got it lost its way in the mid. I'm going to say like the 130s to 140s. They didn't know what to do with it. The toy line was fluctuating. Uh, there were and they lost Larry Hama, who had written. Most of the, pretty much all of the storylines up to that point, and all oh, of the file cards on every Joe action figure. Um, oh, okay. And uh, you know, he was a Vietnam vet. He was a Asian American. He is an Asian American. I mean, he had a unique perspective on a lot. <laughs> he of was. Stuff. He no longer is. <laughs> he still is. Uh, <laughs> God bless him. He is still with us, and um, he's just incredible. Uh, and then he returned to the series and finished it off uh, the last several issues. And so, without get, I mean, there's a convoluted storyline that goes through the G.I. Joe comics, and I recommend everyone read it. But it's the whole Snake Eyes origin concept, his relationship to uh, Storm Shadow, and how they were on, on long-range recon patrol in Vietnam. So... You never get the voice of Snake Eyes. He does say a couple of things in the comics. Um, But in this issue in particular, he is handwriting a letter to the son of a friend of his from Vietnam who's asking if it's worth him joining the military. And you get Snake Eyes' perspective. He says you're going to see the best... Uh, and the worst that you'll ever see in your life, and you'll see the best of people and the worst of people. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, I was really on the. This isn't. I was on the verge of joining the army when I was thinking when I read this book the first time, and uh, it didn't manifest because I was trying to finish college and I had and I fell into filmmaking essentially. But. Um, yeah, I mean, this that, that book does a lot for me. I've read it several, several times. Just, uh, just real quick. Amazing Spider-Man number 500. Hold on. Before, that was a... Before, yeah? you get, before you get into Joe, uh, out of Joe, um, mm-hmm. when we went to uh, Denver Fan Expo, because we can't call it Comic-Con, 
Remember? Oh God, yeah. You talk about Jim Shooter. No, um, uh, this is the last time I was there uh, a couple months ago with Tony. Remember, I I saw that double set, that GI Joe action figure set that had uh-huh. that had uh, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, and it had a first print of uh, the silent issue. And I was yep. looking, oh, I was looking yeah. at it, and it was damaged. And I'm like, not paying that much for that. It was on the wall of my cousin's uh, death room. Really? Remember when the I, silent I, issue? Remember when I told you? Uh, I remember I told you both that I was in the room where it happened. Yeah. And yeah. It had been demonstrated how he was found. Mm-hmm. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was looking around to not pay attention to the floor, that set was on the wall. Oh, wow. That set was on the wall. And it, was, it was pristine. She said, you want it? I'm like, no, I'm not taking it. Yeah. But it was on the wall. And it was a very specific reason, because like, he was Joe. Hmm. And it was it was special, like uh, you, Colin. You've seen them before, that the comic set. Like it's 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 not a second print. It's oh, they, it's the first yeah. print with with the two action figures. And um, she's, uh, cousin's like, yeah, I paid a lot of money for that one. I'm like, yeah, it's it's really pretty. You just ah, goddamn fucking comics. Yeah, they did a lot of sets like that. Uh, it's the one you're talking about is a little bit more. Uh, enriched i'd say there's there's been they've done lots and lots of sets that incorporated comics and uh uh with varying quality versions of the action figures and stuff but that yeah one, man that, uh, that one was a real first print it was the old i could see it hmm. consequently the very first comic i ever remember having in my hands in my life was the gi joe silent issue because my dad got it for my brother who was too young to be reading at the time and he just casually picked this thing up and realized hey here's a book that he can probably read or probably look at and enjoy that doesn't have a lot of like dialogue and stuff and it was we and i we had that book forever and ever because we just as kids i don't know why we just never threw anything away and so we i have this torn to hell beat up version of that which I, of course, replaced years later when I was, like, on a quest do you still to have, have the, every... Do you still have the original yeah. one? Yeah, I, I totally do, yeah. Awesome. Nice. I got my long box that can barely contain the Marvel run, and uh, that one is in there, and my issue 109, which was another one we just randomly picked up before I really invested myself in trying to collect the entire series, which I've probably read through like six times. It's such a damn fine uh, title. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, if you've never read G.I. Joe before, I would go and get like the uh, the uh, the, compil- or the co- uh, collection, the collection editions, yeah, which I think is now like under a shared license with... Uh, IDW. Yeah, IDW. Yeah, yeah, I haven't missed an issue. They're allowed IDW to reprint them, I guess. They're, they're so good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Amazing Spider-Man number 500. I was working at a comic book store when that issue came out. And it's, of course, one of those big anniversary issues with, like, a bunch of contributing 
writers and artists telling different spidey stories and stuff like that. But the main through line was just fascinating to me that uh, some giant event. Oh, it's Peter Parker's birthday. And he's getting ready to have a little celebration with Mary Jane and Aunt May. And, and it's just a tiny thing. But he's out on the balcony, and he sees, like, green lightning off in the direction of Times Square. He's like, well, of course, i got to go do something to see what that is. So he goes that way, and there's this insane, like, dimensional portal open, and all of these mindless ones from, uh, like, the dark dimension are invading New York. And he's like, how do we even fight this? And Cyclops is there in street clothes and Thor and, like, just... Whoever happens to be there, and it's like, wow, what a what a crazy assortment of guys! Like the thing is there, just pounding these these uh, mindless ones, and they're all just blasting. There's just like rays firing out in every direction, and Doctor Strange is there. He's like, oh, I gotta help Doctor Strange, and he, of course, Spidey's trying to help too hard, and it screws something up, and Spidey gets whacked into. He basically quantum leaps back to the beginning of his career where he gets bit by the spider and then he gets cranked faster into time and Spidey has to fight every villain he's ever fought before in the span of however long it's going to take. So it's one of those moments where it's like time has no meaning and he's got a, he's just taking the punches, but he's refighting every one of these fights and, and Dr. Strange is like, come on, Spidey, I know you can do it. Spidey, I, you can't give up. Like, if you give up now, it ruins everything. And Like, you have to get back to this moment in time where I am right now. And there's this giant splash page where it's all of these different moments in different times with all the different Spidey costumes and the villains. It's just so great. And then at the end, Doctor Strange has this box that he gives to Peter, and it looks a little bit like the Sanctum, and Peter opens it, and he, he hears a voice behind him, and he turns around, and it's Uncle Ben. And he's like, look, Peter, I'm really proud of you. This isn't some gimmick. This is for real. I'm actually capable of talking to you now for just a moment, and I want you to know. Dude, it rips me up. I remember that's when it's like I, I, it was one of those comments. I wasn't somebody who cried very often back then, but this one ripped me up. Uh, and, uh, I mean, like, I weep all the time since my kid has been born. I don't know. It's just like a weird <laughs> thing just exploded in me. Dude, it's and, totally uh, a dad thing. I got you. Yeah. And my, and so Peter getting to talk to Uncle Ben, who was like, look, I've been able to see everything you've ever been through since I died. And you have always done the best that you can. You've always made the best decision that you can make in the moment. And it, you know, you have got to. You, you're fine. You've done the right things. And it's like, what, a, like, if every, it's just one of those things that drives me nuts. When you're, when you're paying attention to something, that is a moment in Peter Parker's life that every single Spider-Man writer for the rest of time should have to pay attention to. Like, it's such a finite thing. It's a nickel's worth of a moment, but it has a, has a hundred dollar payoff. And it's just a mm-hmm. huge thing. Nice. That's I've gone back and reread that a bunch of times. So now I'm going to go back to another sob piece, All Star Superman number ten from 2005. Oh, fuck, and I've mentioned man. this a, again and one? again. Oh, yes. All right, go for it. Why is it on your list, or are you just sick of it? 
I'm not sick of it. That one hit hard. Dude, I mean, as as a... I don't know. I don't know what to say. I was a person who grew up uh, in a very sheltered home and, and kind of... You know, I had it. I, my family, my parents were always together. I, I still had weird stints of like, why is life this hard for me? Just being an unpopular person and taking things the wrong way and, and it getting worse for me and just not fitting in with people. And I was never really that goth kid, but Superman in this story has discovered that, like, he did something, and I don't even remember what it is now. He's 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 discovered that his cellular structure is hyper radiated and he is going to die. Yeah, he and, was in the sun too long. If I remember. yeah, he he's over. He got him. overcharged or something like that. Of course, yeah. Superman's powers are solar. And his he, body turned against him. So he's fly. He's like, I have to perform. I'm I'm supposed to perform like twelve miracles or mm-hmm. something like. That. So he's going around the world. and He's doing all this stuff. He's trying with every second of his time to do something, to make a difference, to help people before he's gone. And there's a, a scene, there's just like two pages or three pages, and there's this ambiguously gendered person. I don't know. I mean, it turns out years later we find out it's a young girl. And her name is Reagan, and she's on the ledge, and she's on a building, Jesus and she's going to jump. Christ. Oh, God damn. And before... Before she jumps, she has this realization that someone's behind her, and it's Superman, and he just takes her in his arms and holds her, and she just sobs, and he says, look, I know that it seems like there's no one out there for you, but today was just one of those days where your your therapist was actually just late. And, and you take from that that it didn't mean that she was alone and that there was just a problem, and you would really believe that this would change that person's life. And, uh, dude, I just, that one has never fall. failed. I refer back to that. People wonder when I, t- people when I tell, oh, Colin, you're, you like comics, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they don't understand what it is. And I'm like, look at the power of just these two pages. And I refer back to that. And I will weep openly to anyone every time I ever talk about this. And I think I even did it like in the last three months. Somebody trying to just like, wow, shit. And they, they, it just changes their minds about comics. You said that to me on one of my bad nights. You're never alone, man. I know, man, but you said that to me on one of my bad nights. And that, that was something else. And yeah. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I've read that one a, a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> Morrison, man, just knocking it out. Oh, Grant Morrison, for God's sake. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's see. Uh, after that, just the last one that has... I, I have a lot of nostalgia factor that is tied in with emotion, but in particular, I've gone back and re- read and read and read and reread Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, number 36, so many times, because... Uh, I had been out of comics for a while. Okay, I'd been out of comics for a few years. I think that when the Clone Saga hit and I was in college after I was in high school, I was in college, I wasn't reading anything anymore. And uh, um, 
I remember one day, you know, it's after September 11th, which constantly, that's this week, folks. And I haven't seen anybody memorializing this. I some years it comes in heavy. It's like, we got to think about this. And then other years it's like, I don't think anybody wants to think about this with Ukraine, with the problems going on with our government and all kinds of things. Nazi speech the other day with the Marines behind him. That was interesting. I don't think anybody wants to reflect on this right now. But uh, this was a this was the first comic book that I saw that even paid attention to September 11th. I was in a Hastings store, and I just sat down and I saw, oh, look at that. They reverted from that irritating, drippy Spider-Man logo to the classic Amazing Spider-Man title font. Ramita where did, right? you know and i was like yeah it was john ramita jr that did the art in this junior, junior. and i did not know what was going on in it but i was like i pick up this black cover with the white logo and i flip into it and i'm like what are they doing why would they what why would they do this and i i, I realized they're paying attention to september 11th and i thought to myself of course they would it's new york they're really and it and for some reason man like Two months later, you know, this put everything into perspective for me more than just about anything. That hurt hard. That hurt so hard. Is it like with the firefighters and the EMTs and them getting poisoned by the rubble and it just the the handshake at the end with Cap and fucking. I got you. I got you, man. I got. I don't think I ever really, truly, growing up, realized. That the, like I never paid attention to Captain America until I read this Spider-Man book, and I was like, "This makes sense." Like, God, why wouldn't we want a Captain America? And I think that's when I started looking into the Ultimates, and uh, it was just it changed everything for me. I got back into comics, and I have been consistently back into comics since 2001 because of that issue. <laughs> And uh, it's a big one, man. Um, yeah, still, you still have it, of course. I do, and it's freaking worth a bit of a fortune at this point. Yeah, it's worth a lot of money, man. It's uh, the, the all black with the original Spidey logo, amazing, just all black, junior, junior, right? Mm hmm. And cap, and uh, cap with a handshake at the end, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I just remember, I also remember like them having one panel where Doctor Doom is standing there and I think Magneto and they're like, even these assholes think that this was brutalistic bullshit. And I was like, that's fascinating. Uh, Miko, keep, keep, you know, still a little bit of affection. Like, this is, this is a book about affection for me. Um, Comico's Robotech The Math Cross Saga number 14. This is the middle of the storyline and it's a huge storyline uh if you don't know anything about robotech you don't know anything about macross it's way too convoluted but what it really amounts to is that right before we're about to have a full nuclear war uh a a giant alien spaceship crash lands on in the middle of nowhere island in the pacific and it stops the war and 10 years later, we've rebuilt this starship, and we're like, yeah, we're going to use this to go to the stars. But the secret is that we discover the alien bodies on board are these 50-foot-tall aliens, 
and through the technology that we discover from this, uh, we're like, well, we need to find some way to deal with these guys if they show up here. So we make transforming fighter jets that they turn into robots that are about 40 feet tall, and we're like, okay, maybe we can do something about it. Uh, they come looking for their ship. There's a reason for that. It's the only resource place in the... The ship is carrying something in it that is the only resource for their energy in the universe. And uh, they lost it. And so now this new war against aliens has started. Fourteen issues later, the captain of the ship has managed to get the ship back home to Earth. And uh, he sits down to record like a captain's log that details what's gone on before that. And as a kid, when I fell in love with Robotech, I could not find the comics. I couldn't pay for the comics. But this one retold all of the story before that, and that was a huge deal to me. And I read it again and again and again. And then I struggled for years trying to find the rest of the issues, and I don't think I even had them all until maybe 2000. 12 or something, but uh, yeah, Robotech's always been gigantic for me. Um, Dark Horse Comics, Grendel Warchild number 10. Very nice. Grendel's, I haven't, dude. I haven't anyone say her, her, the word Grendel in a long time. Oh, dude. I was, uh, I think that's, I think my brother found a copy of a Grendel book, like Grendel Warchild number four or something like that. When you were reading Comico comics back in the day, you saw Matt, Wa Matt Wagner's Grendel comics suggested for mature audiences, like advertised incessantly in those books. And I was like, what the heck is this Grendel I'm seeing so much about? And I, I never found any of those books. And I never would have been able to buy them because I was too young for them. But then War Child was out. And my brother found a copy of issue number four and bought it. And I was like, what is this? And we just read and reread it. And I was like, okay, I don't know. But then we found a comic book store uh, that had the entire run. And I picked up all the ones that we were missing. And issue 10... Gets to the end of the story, there's like this, in the far future, the world came under one ruler, and uh, his, one of his heirs was kidnapped. And Grendel was activated to go out and find this kid and rescue him and bring him through the wastelands and get him back to uh, where he could claim his rightful throne. And, I, the, and what happened... But like... Part of the thing that signifies this is that the Grendel is the key to a technology that signals the end of this dark age. And something about that, the sacrifices, and even then to have to fully sacrifice himself, knowing that at the end of this journey, he has to sacrifice himself to be a beacon for everything, for everyone to know the, the, the Grendel Conate has has come back to power and that the the world will be brought back to justice peace civility you know the rule of law it's it's i don't know there's something about that that like blew my mind as a kid because i just hadn't i never I didn't, just apocalyptic things did not occur to me as a child uh and so this is one of my first clicks onto that um farther into that dark horse comics again aliens number four very nice I mean, ah, dude, Aliens was such a huge hit. 
such a big deal. I, the last time I got to record with either of you, we were talking about, uh, we were catching it up on all the Marvel Aliens books. And yep. I, it's just such a, I can't say enough. Like, it's probably the best movie I've ever seen. It's my, it might be, might be my favorite movie. Aliens. Just this rotating. Aliens. Plus. Aliens. Yeah. And, uh, we wanted a sequel to that so bad, and this four-issue comic book series took care of it. Newt's, and it Newt's, was like Newt's because uh, it's not Newt's Tale. Uh, this this is uh, this is after that. Uh, this is this was the this... in between where like uh, her and um, Hicks. What Newt and Ripley? Yeah, Newt and Hicks are. Away, they're away from Earth, and they are trying to find a way to get back. And they get stopped over on another Colonial Marines facility where they're um, messing around with aliens. And you know, everybody's always trying to weaponize aliens. Weaponize the xenomorphs. Yeah, and they get out, and it's pandemonium, and uh, they're trying to figure out a way to escape this situation, and they they get. They get away on a slow ship back to Earth because Earth has been overrun by the aliens. And this insane marine colonel wants to bring weaponized aliens to fight the alien hive on Earth. We did that. And they turn on him instantly. We did that. Uh, we did oh, that. Yeah. We did that. That was awesome. Uh, we did. We, yeah, we, we covered Earth, this some time ago. Earth, yeah. We did, we did Newt's Tale. And mm-hmm. we did... Uh, one of the few newer ones, and uh, along yeah. with this one, this was amazing. Man. Like Newt's like, Tale is simply a retelling of the deleted scenes from Aliens, but that's featuring not, young that's, Newt. That's but, not fair because that book came out years before the director's cut of Aliens. Oh, for sure. And, but and a lot so, of people were aware of it in the script. So yeah, but yeah, but even then, like uh, the the director's cut of Aliens was basically Newt's tale because they added uh-huh. all the extra like scenes with Newt and, and her mom and dad and her brother, her brother, and, mm-hmm. and um, her living in the uh, the uh, the fucking uh, the rafters. Oh, or hiding or out. Yeah, hiding yeah. out. Um, what do you got next? In the air vents. Um, Oh, I gotta pull it up again. It disappeared. Uh, oh, let's see. I did one, two, three. This is that one. GI Joe, Dark. Oh man. Okay. The, the the book that really the thing being, like I said, you know, I encountered this Batman book, and I was looking for Robotech books and not having an easy time finding them. One day, I'm in my buddy Darren's store, The Comic Connection, on Main Street in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And, uh, of course, he didn't trust me because I was a kid, and he's that guy. He's like, I hope you're in here to buy something, guys, because this isn't the library, you know? But, like, (laughs) (laughs) he is a businessman, flat out. Well, been there. That is the point. And uh, I look up on the wall... And my eyes had not adjusted to the darkness in there from being outside. And I see a Star Wars comic on the wall. I'm like, well, I like Star Wars. What the heck is this? And it's a company I've never heard of, Dark Horse, which automatically made me think, like, oh, this is something I'm not supposed to touch or mess with. But it was Star Wars Dark Empire number two. The cover of it was so dark 
that all I could see was Luke Skywalker's face. And the artistry was so amazing. It was so photorealistic. It was, you know, it was like it was painted. And it was him in a dark cloak with a lightsaber that was not lit, like brandishing it in front of his chest. And then there was some gigantic uh, di- like thing behind him, a giant strange shape. And every issue of Star Wars Dark Empire had just a shaft of color down the center of it, and then all the action in front of it, and it was just layered, like a tri-layered approach. So it was very well laid out and plotted. And I was like, uh, what are, I've got to get this. And I got it. And the, I was astonished like it was all watercolors inside so there was an amazing gradient of of colors i'd never seen anything like this in any kind of star wars story and it continued the story after return of the jedi which blew my mind because i had just started reading the timothy zahn novels the thrawn trilogy which truly continues but then the crazy thing was that this story was so important that every other novel that anyone ever wrote up until Disney got the license paid attention to Star Wars Dark Empire. Star, it, it, you know, I, could, I didn't have issue number one. I had no idea what was going on. But issue number two has Luke having been whisked away to a resurrected Emperor Palpatine who, turned, who, who convinces Luke to bow before the empire and or the emperor and turn to the dark side. And I was like I just couldn't even believe it. Like it was it was so many things happening in my head at the same time reading this and I read it again and again and again and I was like what am I missing here? So eventually being able to find an like I had issues 2, 3, 4 and then I finally found a one five and six years later and then i was like okay cool wow i've got these and i read them back to back to back and again and again and again and i just couldn't get over it you had e-wing starfighters and world devastators and admiral akbar and mon mothma and lando and wedge and it's just like oh my god all of these characters back like doing cool stuff and han being kind of like yeah forget luke he's turned to the dark side he's a bad guy and i was like nah, he'd never do that but still getting it and then realizing you know these horrendous prequel or uh, sequel trilogy from disney more or less was like yeah we can't do it if we don't bring back the emperor like it's gotta be you know i just felt like they ripped this this these books off but like a huge part of my childhood it was spent rereading those uh and then uh whatever i think i've got it here the last issue that i'm going to talk about is new x-men 150 Grant Morrison, uh, the culmination of the entire thing. And I'm going to be that guy who was an easy mark for this. Magneto got even, killed. Even, at... even though... What? Never mind, just keep going. Even though... even though Grant Morrison hates how this ended, and he wrote it only because they pretty much forced him to do it, and he was like, this severs my ties with you guys creatively because, you know, this is bullshit. He, uh, I'm an easy mark for it. He killed Magneto off at the beginning of this entire storyline when Cassandra Nova relaunched 
dozens of sentinels that blew up Genosha, and the only survivor was Emma Frost. So we thought. And over all this huge story arc, we've come to find out that Magneto has been hiding out in the Xavier School as a different professor, hiding out as a different mutant, the mutant Zorn, who was rescued uh, from the Chinese government in New X-Men Annual 2000, I think it was, and uh, slowly repairing Xavier's spine and infecting everybody with some kind of illness so that they were all in a different part of the world when his master stroke came to be. And at the same and like getting Wolverine and Jean Grey and Beast and Cyclops all to be on asteroid M when he plunged it towards the sun. And like Psych and Beast getting away, but being there in the moment when Wolverine had to kill Gene to release the Phoenix because the Phoenix was the only thing that was going to be able to save the day, and it like it's just heart wrenching. It's it's a whole book. The whole issue is such like a holy shit, and then it just keeps holy shit. Like I can't believe this next thing happened. It just explodes with so many moments. It is so climactic. And then there are another five issues after that, which are in the far future of this storyline. And I'm like, how are they going to reset this? And then, like, then it loops back. And I was like, oh, it was a possible future. Dude, it was so good. It's just, it I think that good, was the first, like, major issue series that we ever covered on the pro- on our show. That was the first so, issue, actually. Was we did, like, three yeah. hours on that one. Cyclical. That's it, man. That, guys, that's my, uh, those, those are my, that's. Those are my those are my top ten. I've reread these so many times in books, and uh, for emotional reasons or pointing to po- pointing people to something that's amazing, uh, or it's just emotional or nostalgic. And I, I don't know. I could go on and on, but I digress. Tony, you want to flip a coin and go <laughs> next? I'll go next. You don't mind? No, not at all. As I, as I lose a freaking earbud. <laughs> All right. I think mine is more going at it a lot from the angle of a collector, more so than emotional. Okay. Because mm-hmm. you definitely had some mad, crazy emotional beats on those. They were amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I no, really enjoyed it. Uh, let me see. Let me start off with. Uh, Probably Batman 636. I'm a real big fan of that one. That is one of the books that got me into back into comics after I kind of... We've all kind of had that that time where we were done with the comics for a little bit. That happens with wrestling, yeah. too. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, freaking, that was Batman and uh, Met Man Bat during a blizzard. I believe it was around Christmas time, and I remember reading that book also around Christmas time. And freaking, I just really, really enjoyed it. Like, I got back into comic books for a little while before I kind of fell off again and then got back in after the new 52. But I always remember that book typically, Batman 636, is like the one that really just kind of lit a fire underneath me. as like a one I really super enjoyed. Um, freaking another big one that I really enjoyed was... Uh, 
you know, um, Dark Knight Returns number one. Like, I really enjoyed the Dark Knight Returns series. I got the trade paperback uh, quite a while ago, and really, and I and I loved it. I loved the whole concept of a darker Batman, and just kind of, you know, Batman's kind of past his prime, and how this different iteration of Batman would handle similar situations than the uh the as than as he would as a as a kid because you know he was younger and he was you know, in his twenties and thirties and as a Batman in his sixties would go about his business and really handle handle, you know, stuff like the mutants and stuff like, you know, the Joker and how he would what he would do in that situation. You know, as kind of an older guy and kind of coming towards the end as a wrestler. It's kind of something <laughs> you think about, you know, and it's something you can really kind of relate to on a different level than when you're in your 20s and you're young and invincible. Um, you know, another big one I really loved was Mr. Miracle number one. You know, I never, I kind of, I really... Mr. Miracle is kind of a unique character. Not a lot of people really enjoy Mr. Miracle the way I do. And freaking, I've made it a point to kind of collect every issue from every. I think he's had like three solo series plus like one uh, six issue series. Yeah, and I've, I've loved all of it. The first one was like the first solo series that really hit hard was like what two thousand like fourteen. Yeah, they had the twelve issue maxi series, and then they followed that up with the uh, the six issue one that came out last last year, year before. Yeah, we followed that one with uh, Shiloh Norman meticulously. Yeah, and that was freaking that was epic, man! I really freaking really enjoyed that whole run. The Mobius chair was fucking incredible. Oh yeah, the fact that they like, I don't think I don't think Jack Kirby like Jack Kirby gets quite a bit of credit, but I don't necessarily think he gets enough credit for all he did for comics especially the uh New the gods, out of this world stuff over the years crazy shit <laughs> yeah but yeah no i'm always a i'm always a big big fan of anything mr miracle um another one was uh i really had a partial love for avengers annual 10 first appearance of rogue Oh yeah, man. Yeah, you know, not so just for the what the comic itself, which is freaking very well done. One of the best but the, episodes um, of the animated series ever. Yeah, but my personal take on it was that was like the first issue I personally identified as a key issue that I ever owned, and like nice. I have not, I have not found the original issue I owned, and I'm sure it's somewhere at my parents' house. But I have not found it yet. I eventually ended up relenting and getting one off of eBay just to make sure I still had one. Right. And freaking... But like that was the first issue I was like, oh my god, I've got to have this issue. And like I, I remember trading it to, from a buddy for like a bunch of other stuff. I, at this point, I can't even recall what I traded him for. But no matter what, I remember it was totally 100% worth it. <laughs> um, 
And I don't, I don't remember know. ever trading comics with anybody. Like that was a thing that people did, and it's like I've never Absol- done it. Absolutely. Yeah, not. I was all I was all about it when I was a kid. I loved it. Oh wow! Because you'd always try to freaking oh, can I get you? Get me this if I give you this, and I really enjoyed it. Like I haven't, you know, there's, you know, other than y'all, there's not really too many people I would be like, oh, I could trade this for this, <laughs> you know. But I'm like, I, there's not. Not that I don't mind you read, you read my stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what I'd freaking... Cause I've definitely given, like, Josh, I've given you some issues. Just kind of like, hey, here, I've got these. I've got a second set of them. Here you go. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've never... I don't think we've ever once actually legitimately traded like, one comic for no, another. No, we've never, never traded. But, like, it's it's always been like, hey, I've got an extra one of these. Like, I remember the first time we were, like digging through my comics and uh i gave you like uh, quite a a couple of uh, extra ones like um uh like first spawn but uh yours is the has the one with the proof purchase but like even then like we've always been like like fucking um like uh colin like the other day like um i like the x-men quite a lot i love the x-men yeah but fucking um, yeah um I find 27, and I'm like, hey, does this look real to you? And he, like, keeps it for, like, five minutes. And, <laughs> and then hands it back, and I'm like, here, and I had to go to the ATM. I spent $8 at the ATM to uh, pull out, like, 60 and fucking had to go to this guy and give him a dollar, and he gives me my X-Men, and I, I, I find fucking uh, George from Muse. I'm like, is this real? And he completely dissects it he's like where did you get this this is real and i just hand yeah. it around us like yeah like uh, like remember when we established the rules back in the day like whoever yep has like this is it rightfully belongs to this gentleman yeah and so i'm like it's, it's your fucking christmas present i'm not getting shit for christmas in fact, I'm going to get him a card that says I didn't give him shit for Christmas and put, like, a dollar in it. <laughs> um, it's going to be $50 because I'm going to win the next bet. <laughs> God damn it. No, I'm going to win that one, God damn it. I'm going to cheat and read all the ESPN shit, but uh, it, 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 it matters. Like, you know, like, uh, fucking, there have been times where... Uh, um, you you and I have done this a bunch of times, but like, uh, mm-hmm. um, Colin, you and I too, fucking like, we're like, hey, this is yours. I found it. Like this. Oh is, yeah. This is one that I know you want, and um, doesn't matter if the other one wanted it more. It who who does it belong to? Um, it belonged to Morales. Like fucking, there's times I've handed you comics. There's times you handed me comics, and like that's one of the. Uh, other things I wanted to check off on my uh, mark here about who it belongs to most and our rules for minefields when we're looking for comics. Like, there's been times where I know you wanted a comic, but you knew I wanted it more. And uh, yeah. there's been times, vice versa with Morales, too, where it's just like, uh, can't good heart. Here you go. It's, oh. it's in the dollar oh. bin. Ah, but we appreciate it. Shoot, yeah, I remember the same thing where I gave you the uh, what 
issue 184 of X-Men, first appearance of Forge for a dollar. Yeah, and then you hand me the fucking first appearance. Like, we were going uh, through the uh, dollar bins at the fucking uh, uh, Fan Expo. No, no, the Fan Expo, and you just, like, randomly hand me Alpha Flight number, like, 27 or something like that. Like, first appearance of Wade Death. I think it was 33 or 34. I'm not sure which one it is. I was close enough. Like, like yeah. I, he, he know he knows how much like anything Weapon X and like yeah Lady mm-hmm. Deathstrike and uh, fucking um, goddamn um, what have I handed to you man I, like like fucking uh, at the at the uh, mini Comic Con I find the uh, second mm-hmm. part of the uh, um, the uh, fucking uh, the Craven's Last Hunt no no um, I I, I I still owed you for losing the last bet, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, handed you the second part of what happened the, to the Dark Crusader of uh, the the Neil Gaiman two parter. That's right. Right yeah. after right after Batman R.I.P. was that Neil mm-hmm. Gaiman two two part story. Remember, Colin, where uh, the first issue was painted, uh, the the cover was painted by um, fucking uh, Alex uh, Alex Gray. Alex Ross. Yeah, it's Ross, and uh, it was the two part, mm-hmm. and um, I found it for a dollar. I'm like, yeah, it's yours. Um, I, I <laughs> we, 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 we we rescue comics. Yeah, that's what we, we do. do. We rescue them. We we rescue oh. comics. That's how we justify this. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Yeah, uh, he just like here's Lady Strike first appearance. Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely needed that uh, first appearance. Forge, fucking, he knows how much I love Forge. And um, yeah. and uh, Colin, how many times have I handed you a first appearance? Let's fucking like, why aren't you here? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got a better job than us, but like fucking, uh, we always make sure we hook you up, man. And uh, that, that I love that part of minefields is like, um, who does it really belong to? I don't know. You're not wrong. Who does it really belong to? Uh, God damn, man! Uh, you can read. You can read my Avengers number four. And you let me read your your and, original line of Spider Man. The first time I crashed it, you and your yeah. uh, back when you were crash when you take care of your mom's and uh, fucking yeah. You can always read my stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we, nice. we always got that, man. Like that, that's one of the best parts about minefields is like. Does it really belong to us? Who does it really belong to? And then, uh, fucking, uh, it just, we just make sure that, that the right comic go to the right person. How many more you got left, Tony? Yeah, I got a few, man. Freaking, uh, you know, next one really is, uh, Vengeance of Bane number one. Um, that was first appearance of Bane. But I remember holding out for legitimately months. Dude, it took us forever to figure out what the first print was. Yeah, and the whole thing, uh, dumb, stupidly enough, it was freaking the. Uh, it just had a Roman numeral one on it. But I remember legitimately holding out for like six months to finally find a cheap enough version that I would find be comfortable getting and get it a first print. Mm-hmm. But I remember how excited I was when I freaking finally actually got it. And that's one of the things, man, especially when you're, like, you're hunting on eBay and freaking you actually, you, you, you've sat and you've waited for that one copy that's your copy, that that's the one I want to spend the money on. 
and you freaking finally, I remember I was having a conversation legitimately with my wife at the time when like the last minute of that bid was coming up. And like, I think I threw out like a bid that was like, I think like $20 over what I previously bid to get it. Mm-hmm. And I had won while I'm in mid conversation with my wife about something. Nice. I think it was probably something about like how her day was or something like that. Cause we always talk about how her day was her, her job is legitimately insane. And freaking, I remember winning that night. I had to like suppress the smile because we were in the middle of this conversation about how her how her day at work was. But I was like, I got gotcha, you, bitch. Yeah, Miss Carrie. <laughs> and it was just freaking. It was, it was just that great feeling of being like, I won. I sniped that out from underneath because like I was the winning bid, and then somebody else had bid over me, and then I freaking went like twenty bucks above them. And freaking, I, I got it. I was like, yes, that that is mine. Colin, Carrie, Carrie Morales is terrifying. She, she, <laughs> really? She, she's a beautiful, wonderful woman. But I wouldn't even want to be that poor bastard in line behind her in second grade that accidentally steps on the back of her shoe. Yeah. <laughs> she will fuck you up. <laughs> Why? She will. <laughs> I love just, just, uh, we're not going to get into that. Uh, all we know is, is that we respect her and that we will not step on the back of her shoes in second grade because she'll remember yeah. that shit. <laughs> oh, she will. Happy that. But uh, let's see, number freaking. Number six, I believe, is a DC Presents 26. First appearance of Starfire, Raven, and Cyborg from Teen Titans. Noise. Just because wow. I knew that was another That's one I'd heavy. been waited for. For I, I I'd been waiting on that for months to get the proper bid that freaking I wanted, and I freaking got that one. Mm-hmm. And I was super freaking excited about that one. Um, next one, Uncanny X Men one thirty seven. This is the death of Phoenix. Oh yeah. The reason I like that one, that one really kind of is something I'll remember for. Ever is that was the first issue of the Dark Phoenix saga because I made a a point that my goal was to get everything Uncanny X Men from issue two fifty to four hundred just to see if I could. Mm-hmm. And I remember grabbing the Dark Phoenix saga, which is a a series I never thought I'd be able to actually get. The completion. And was I freaking good. grabbed the completion that. Completion was a good ass day. Yeah. That was a, that was a new review, that by the way. That was. But I remember getting that at freaking um, Escape Velocity in in town. And I grabbed that issue and I realized it was a dark it was a part of the Dark Phoenix saga. And I was like, I can really make it a point to collect everything going forward from uh, issue 94 to uh, issue 544, which is the end of the original run of Uncanny X-Men. So that's when I officially decided to go for it. Um, issue number or number three would be um, Amazing Spider-Man 194. First appearance of Black Cat. Because that had been one. That. Yeah. That had been mm-hmm. one issue I had missed because we had gone to freaking all seas in Denver. And I saw it on the wall and I did not get it. And next time mm-hmm. we went... It was it wasn't there anymore, 
And I remember being so disappointed that I hadn't so, grabbed were, it when I had the you chance. You were fucking chapped. <laughs> you yep. were chapped. The whole rest of the day was ruined <laughs> for you. Chapped. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was mad, man. I was like I was like, oh, I, I always wanted that book, and I didn't even have the guts to ask how much it was. And it might have oh, been sixty is, bucks. It might have yeah. been six hundred bucks. And I never even asked about it. And it wasn't there next time. So I was just like, man, I, I missed out. And I freaking That's sat totally and I waited. Gettable. Yeah. And I, I sat and I waited for it online. And freaking, I could never get it. I think it was like two to three hundred bucks every time I saw it. Really? And, yeah, oh, it was it was time. super expensive. Yeah, I can't wait for the speculation market on that one to he go was, through the roof when was, oh, yeah. when they finally it. jam her into a movie. Yeah. But we had got Tom Holland with somebody else by the time they get around to that. They're not gonna they might have, yeah. Fan Expo. But I remember baby. we were going to freaking Fan Expo. Fan Expo and that was my goal. Was to get freaking. We had we had set up the autographs with Jim Lee, mm-hmm. and freaking Josh had had to run around. To find, he had tried to find a, a freaking X Men number one, and freaking him between him and Chad, we finally found one for him because he didn't bring anything with him. And I was like, we had enough time in line that I was like, I'm gonna run and see if I can find this real quick. And freaking like I found the comic book section because it was a a specific section of Fan Expo. Was dedicated to comics. Yeah, because I was, I came back. Okay, so we're in line for Jim Lee, and like, okay, I forgot to get my ex, buy or find my X Men number one, the foldout. And fucking, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, give me 10 minutes, and I run around this fucking expo, and I find very little comics. I come back, there's no comics. And this one guy's like, oh, they're on the far uh, right in the corner. And, um, my watch had already set it off that, like, are you exercising? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, um, I, I'm which is pretty funny. I'm completely out of breath because I've been walking around this motherfucker and, uh, as fast as I could. And, uh, Tony takes off, he comes back like 45 minutes later and he's got first Prince black hat. And I'm like, okay, cool. But in, the- in, in, dude, in a pretty high grade, actually. Like, I, I spent more than I expected to spend. Well, more than I freaking would have spent on eBay. But freaking, it was a solid freaking copy. They had so it. I was more they, than happy for what it was. They had it in a, a cherry case that was a lot more high grade than any other just plastic polybag. It was. Yeah. It, it was. If that speaks anything, like when you go to one of those dealers. But fucking, mm-hmm. like he shows up with that, and then Chad shows up. He's got he found me in X Men number one. Yeah, we meet Jim Lee, and uh, we meet uh, what was his name? Will? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, we meet this kick-ass dude, man. He's just this concert guy that's got a backpack of. Uh, he's got this big ass tube stuffed in his backpack of posters. All he cares is. Poster. Oh yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. he's got a uh, cherry poster extended version about this big of uh, X Men number one, the original print. It's it's got silver lining on it, but then he had the extra print that came out like four years ago where they re redid the colors. And um, uh-huh. yeah, he was and uh, we hit it off. And that guy that's that guy still texts me, man. He's a cool guy. Yeah, no, he's a good dude. Yeah, and uh, we and uh, 
uh, Tony met Chad. Because remember we met up with Chad at the, the Comic-Con we went to? Colin, um, big dude. Um, he, he went to us with Stretching a couple Went to a couple of booths with us. Like uh, Chad was there with us. Uh, he was in line with me when I was meeting uh, Becky Cloonan. And um, mm. yeah, yeah, he uh, Tony got to meet Chad, man. Chad's uh, number one top. The Chad. The Chad. The top dollar Chad, man. He's fucking rad. Uh, I go to his house, yeah. like Commander, every now and then, uh, and Magic. But uh, it, that that like we were. The first three hours were in line for Jim Lee, right? Maybe yeah. two. Yeah, we we were there for it was at least two, yeah. But yeah, no, I ended up getting that one and freaking that was my that was my goal, and that was actually the first book I ever. I'd probably been to a half dozen to a dozen cons at this point. That's the first book I've ever actually purchased at a con, and that's why that one is uh, so special for me. Yeah, we missed a good one. So number here. number two actually would be my uh my purse my uh would have been my freaking what's in the box for the week. I just got this one in today. Freaking, let me show you guys this one real quick. Is it is, freaking, this is what's in the box? All right. So uh, yeah, this is, Colin, we, we, we do a, a new gimmick called what's in the box. A surprise the other guy with something like that. <laughs> what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> so, yeah, no, I've been freaking... This one's another one that I freaking... I personally never thought I'd own, but freaking... An offer came up on eBay, and it was just a little uh, a little too good to, to freaking pass up, man. Freaking, it's it's been awesome, and freaking... I was like, I saw this, I was like, I, I gotta at least give it a shot. Freaking, uh... Yeah, really. I, you know, I never thought I'd own this. I was just like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out an offer, and the guy accepted my offer, and I ended up getting a freaking, you know, may not be the best copy, but it's freaking fantastic for me. I got Iron Man number one. God damn it! Oh my god! Oh my god! Holy shit! Shit! Yeah. Freaking. Oh. Never thought I'd have this one in the collection. Mm. Freaking! It, I, um, do, I don't know, dude. I I always feel like anything's within reach. It's just a matter of yeah, yeah. how much I, I mean, dude. The stuff that I've spent money on while I'm on this job that wasn't mm-hmm. comics. I'm. I got a. I got a stack of game cards right here that is. Uh, I at the prices have gone so far through the freaking roof. It was like, well, you know. Yeah, dude, you can you get get the stuff that you want to get. Wow. Yeah. Iron yeah. Man number one. Never, never thought it would happen. No. Freaking, then I freaking I bought it. I put the offer in. He accepted it. So I was like, oh no, I gotta pay for it. And freaking, I was like, oh, I hope it makes it. I hope freaking, something doesn't happen or freaking one of those things where those the issue does it doesn't get canceled for whatever reason. And I came in the middle of the day and I was like, dude. Yeah. This sick. is freaking awesome. I want to. Uh, Tony's gonna come get me uh, for uh, on the way to New Era, and he's gonna have like three black eyes, three or four black eyes. I'm not a young buck. I'll fight back. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. But yeah, that's my that's my number two, man. That's my that's my book. But not um, number one is gonna be my Uncanny X Men two sixty six first appearance of Gambit. Oh, yeah. in some circles because some 
say it's annual 14. But uh, 266 was the first comic book that I saw on a wall that I knew I had to have. I remember seeing that at Heroes and Dragons in the Citadel Mall back in the 90s, and I never, I could have easily saved up the money for it, never did. And freaking by the time the place closed down, never bought it. And I remember freaking after I'd had my, um, I'd gotten, I'd come into some money due to a car accident. And one of the, I remember I paid off my college, my student loans, first thing I did. And the only thing I remember really doing for myself initially was I bought this comic book because I freaking, I was like, I always wanted it and I never got it. And I'm going to freaking, I'm going to at least splurge on this because freaking, if I'm going to have one thing I want, it's going to be this issue. So I bought a freaking solid copy of freaking the first appearance of Gambit, and I've never regretted it. Mm. That's awesome, man. But before I forget, I've got all of your ten except one. I've got Batman 636, First Mr. Miracle, uh, First Rogue, uh, First Bane, DC Presents number six. Uh, 26, but yeah. Twenty-six. Um, let's see. Death of Phoenix, Spidey, one ninety-four. First Black Cat. Iron Man number one. First Gambit. What am I missing? Because uh, Colin sent me his. Uh, Dark Knight Returns number one. So I was able to buy all four of those ones at the freaking Colorado Springs Comic Con about a month ago. That nice completion, ain't it? Yeah, freaking, I could have said I waited for on getting one and freaking got the other ones later, but I just had to freaking had to indulge in that one. All right, so you're rounding out the team, man. What's your uh, what's your top ten? I've got a couple that are graphic novels because I had to have uh, didn't have a lot of money when I was a kid, so a couple of them are graphic novels. Um, okay, my first. Number one pick is Wolverine number fifty. Um, the die cut cover, mm-hmm. where it's the dossier mm-hmm. cover. Um, we were looking for Superman number seventy five, and uh, freaking they didn't have it because it was sold out everywhere. Um, like second print and everything, not finding the black bags. And uh, but I, my dad still wanted to make sure I, I wanted to find a good comic book, and I was really into Wolverine, and I found that issue with the dossier cover. Which ended up being better than Superman seventy five. Um, freaking, it's the one where he um, he uh, we've we've all talked about it before. Where he like uh, asked Forge, he's wearing that old school like standard Wolver um, sorry X Men costume. You know the the blue and the red. I'm sorry, the blue and the mm-hmm. the, the blue and the yellow. And uh, hey Forge, um, where does uh, Shield refuel the helicarrier? Oh, it's over uh, Empire State Building. What are you? Gonna storm the building on your Harley? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm gonna do. And he does that and uh, breaks in and shoves some claws under Nick Fury's throat and says, I want every dossier about me. And um, they give him the, the facts and it just prints out and they have to store it on, you know, well, they were called floppy dicks this time. Floppy discs, at mm-hmm. the time, but it was the. the I'm game. sure they were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you know the the three men, and, 
I don't get it. And uh, uh, they find the uh, the uh, warehouse that they are um, what they had made all of the uh, memories for uh, Weapon X, uh, and had uh, Maverick, Wolverine, uh, Sabretooth, um, freaking um, what's his name? Um, what's her name? Saber, um, Silver Fox, and manipulate their memories and jubilee is upstairs like like i can feel wolverine he's he's not feeling good you know what's going on and and they encountered the shiva robot and um that one i just read over and over because it was um i didn't have weapon x at the time um it already come out but even then freaking um it was like intricities into what had actually happened to him um that's the one i'd picked number one that i've uh, I've read more and more over anything else uh my second one is the fatal attraction set i got at toys r us i got a two set that had all of the holographic ones remember that had the uh you know the taker of gray milk in um X-Men 25, where uh, Magneto rips out all of the adamantium out of Wolverine. Um, my favorite part out of all of it, well, out of all of the Fatal Tractions, I mean, like, what kind of messed me up was, like, I wasn't that invested in Colossus, but, like, the, he'd already defected and was, like, an acolyte. But he's the one that allowed the Blackbird to show up through space but Chuck was like, fuck this. Wolverine, uh, Magneto needs to die. <laughs> we need to kill this asshole. And um, the killing blow. And um, so X-Men 25, and like uh, like I said, this is I'm counting this as one because I had it as a graphic novel first. And um, Wolverine goes for the killing blow, right for the guts, like to eviscerate. Like my, my most respected foe. And then... He shoots that freaking magnetic tug, and then a pull, and then a wrench, and then a wrenching tear, and just rips everything out of out of, out of Wolverine. This is part of second one, because um, like I said, I'm factoring into uh, a, a graphic novel, and all the adamantium gets pulled out of Wolverine, and they're on the way back, and Bishop, who and uh, Tony had a conversation. Colin, we have a we have to have a conversation about Bishop soon, because um, Tony had it, Tony and I had it the other day about like just how fucking crazy yet awesome Bishop is. Uh, he's piloting the Blackbird to pick these assholes up out of asteroid M, yeah. just outside of <clears throat> orbit, and um, Gene is holding the plane together, and uh, she gets sucked out, and Wolverine's dying. His his wounds are healing and then unhealing, and as she gets sucked out, he's the one that catches her, and he's like, "Not this time, Gene. Not today." <laughs> Just the, the reverse of what happened with Dark Phoenix, and um, yeah. So uh, that's number two. Uh, I've got Preacher number one. Um, I couldn't afford a lot of comic books back in the day. I was always in Spawn, buying Spawn and Spidey, um, but I would always make sure to invest my money on Wizard. Wizard 
uh, the oh yeah, right. And uh, Tony, you know how much I love Wizard because what did I spend like yep. one fifty on that box? <laughs> yeah, and uh, quite a bit of Wizard too. And uh, so I wasn't able to buy all the comics, but it kept me in tune with what's going on. And fucking, uh, I'm reading about this comic book called Preacher, and um, I'd already uh, encountered how much I love uh, Evil Ernie and uh, freaking Lady Death. And, um, there was a mini-comic in there, and, um, just describing what Preacher was. And I got my hands on, like, two issues. And it was so raised Catholic, fucking... <laughs> it, uh... It was my, uh... It was my apple. And, uh, fucking... It was really good, but it held God accountable. And, um, so that's my third. Um, my number four is, uh, when Shonen Jump started getting published in the United States around, like, 2003, and, um, fucking, I was just eating each, it was, like, $5 polybagged. I still have, I still have two of them polybagged. Um, they're worth a lot of money. Uh, I just really liked them. They were just really cheap. Just the first, like... Other than, like, uh, there was one other one that was preceded it, and I had one of those. But, um, Shonen Jump, that was my first taste of manga. Um, when I went to... Okay, uh, yeah. When Mom and Dad took us to, uh, to Japan, I had a... I brought my backpack... I brought an empty backpack. And, uh, a list of... Uh, <laughs> a list of CDs I wanted that had extra tracks that were only Japanese... That like Nine Inch Nails Downward Spiral had the uh, uh, the Japanese version had Dead Souls on it, um, but like I had it written down and I handed him a note of crudely scribbled Japanese like kanji and circled Dead Souls and like the where I knew that the extra track was. And, uh, but every bit of, uh, like, all, the only litter I found was manga. On the subway, um... Oh, really? On a park bench, I, I grabbed every single one I found. Um, uh, Dawn Lucifer's Halo is very important to me because I was, I... Oh, had, dude, had for al- real. had always wanted that mm-hmm. book, and, um, uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time wanted me to hang out with her and her new boyfriend and she was cool her name was Haley and um fucking I'm sitting on this couch drinking a liter of fucking whiskey and she says hey uh, <laughs> hey uh Colin's coming over he's gonna be your new best friend yeah she was she <laughs> yep. was fucking right and I I, I didn't want to like you cause I'd I'd heard about you and um cause uh my ex- other ex-girlfriend her brother, like, worshipped the ground you walk on because, like, oh, Colin this, Colin that. Like, fuck this fucking guy named Colin. And you walk in, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. For, for the record, I would have owned Giant Size X-Men by this point. I don't point that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> point that out tonight. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, but I'm sitting there, I didn't even get up because I, I did like, because Heather's brother was, like, this guy's the biggest dick of the, the bee's room. knees and i'm like hey hello and he comes and shakes my hand and he's like 
are you reading what I think you're reading? I'm like, yeah, I'm reading Lucifer's Halo. And he and Colin was like, where'd you get that? And I'm like, I special ordered it because like it's the original first print of the uh, graphic novel. And mm. and then he talked about Dawn for a bit and Joseph Michael Linzer. And I'm like, you want to take a shot? And next thing you know, him and I are taking shots like crazy in the freaking... Uh, <laughs> in the... the that little kitchenette that, that they had the there. That kitchenette. Little galley. And we stayed up till like three in the morning. Like Haley and freaking what, what was that asshole's name? Greg. He's not an asshole. Come on. He's Jonathan. a lovely individual. He's a good dude. He actually is pretty lovely. What the hell was that guy's name? Who might have been Jonathan? Good. Jonathan. They're in bed, and you and I are still up talking about comics. And then we went to a bar. Yeah. And drank some more. Um, so that's. That's the other one. Um, let's see. Speeding Bullets, number one. My mom and dad um, would always buy me random comic books, but they landed on a fucking winner on this one. I got it for Christmas uh, when it came out. Mm-hmm. And um, there was, like, God damn, that comic was just so dark and beautiful. Superman, landing in Gotham. Mm. Mm-hmm. Lex- Being adopted by the Waynes. Adopted by the Waynes, fucking Lex Luthor's the Joker. I mean, like, uh, that's actually my number one thing I'm looking for when we go out on Saturday and uh, find my speeding bullets, McFarlane, pay uh, penance to freaking uh, Uncle Todd. Um, Spawn, he needs his tithing. Spawn number 50 um, was the one I first bought on my own. Uh, I read the first 12 and um, eventually, like, collected them, but um, 50 was the first one I bought off the newsstand. Uh, we were mm-hmm. we were on our way from Denali National Park and stopped at a freaking uh, shopette and got number, no, number 49, actually. Not 50, 49. I'm going to count 49 and 50 together because um, they just come out in conjunction and I got number 50 uh, at another shopette, but... Those are the ones I first bought, other than getting um, previous comics, and just Spawn was gnarly. Like he, it, the the storyline was, he'd finally given up on telling Wanda who he was and got dragged to hell, and got given his three gifts. Mm-hmm. His face was ripped off by a demon. Another demon ripped his heart out, and another demon inscribed the uh, freaking uh, uh, Spawn logo, the clock on his chest and so a lot of people don't know this but Spawn's face and his logo is a clock you, you gotta look as the black okay you gotta look as the black as the uh, the shorthand and longhand and um I'm trying to think of the last one because I've got a few here but uh I'm going to say the last one is the uh, Carnage, uh, first appearance of Carnage graphic novel, 361 to 363. Um, I had five minutes. It was one of the best days of my life. I had like 20 bucks. My mom and dad, I've done some chores, gave me 20 bucks. I had five minutes to go into the only comic store in Fairbanks, Alaska, which was called The Comic Store. Mm-hmm. And I ran around like a crazy man. I found the... Um, graphic novel first prince coins of the first three and that had uh all the vestiges of the original appearances of uh cletus cassidy so that was all part of it it was like 650 
I found a Strangers in Paradise t-shirt. Um, I had a couple extra bucks. Really? Yeah, really. I had a couple extra bucks in my pocket because the Spawn movie had just come out. And uh, the one toy I really wanted was the Malvolja. The giant Malvolja that had the like talking button in the back. And I bought one pack. Mm. I bought one pack of fucking Spawn trading cards. The, the long ones. Because the, the, fir- like the first ones before the chromium ones were the long ones and uh, I get in the car I got it's basically Christmas better than Christmas and freaking open that pack of cards <laughs> and inside I got the one in 10,000 card pack uh, the Todd Crone card which was the first appearance of uh, his um, new costume um, every time I go to a comic store and I find Spawn issue number 26, or 25, uh, hey, Tony, you should buy this. It's 10 bucks. And you're like, no. This is, yeah. the, fir- this is the first appearance of the, the, the new costume, the one they stuck to. And you're like, yeah, I'll get it later. That was the first goddamn appearance was the goddamn fucking card. And uh, <laughs> I, had, I had, like, a dollar left. And uh, I walked to the... Uh, I walked to the uh, fucking base um, theater and spent 50 bucks and watched Rumble in the Bronx. Oh, sick. You spent 50 bucks on a movie ticket? 50 cents, baby. Okay. 50 cents. So I had all I had my new Stranger in Paradise shirt, Carnage, freaking limited edition-ish uh, card, and uh, 50 cents seat, Rumble in the Bronx. Remember mm-hmm. when he drives that golden Lamborghini under the hydrant? Mm-hmm. One of the best days of my life. Um, that's, I had more of them, but like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, Lady Death, I mean, those are all wizard, like, half, one and a half comics and stuff, but that's what I got, man. Like, uh, it shaped me, man. Like, big titty goth chicks, Japanese, <laughs> crazy fighting. Limited edition cards, uh, pseudo lesbian literature through Terry Moore's freaking uh, <laughs> uh, Strange in Paradise that I had like one issue of, fucking Wolverine. I mean, like it, it just like it just just completed the circle. Like it was a lot of crazy shit and uh, all in the span of one day and very definitive day. You see that? That's why I always freak out, and that's why I always like Colin. You haven't been on a hunt yet with us, but no, I'm always on a different hunt. No, you'll, you'll be on the hunt with us soon, though. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, though, every now and then we behave ourselves, but then we're on our way to Amarillo. Like, hey, what? What was that first fucking appearance of Strife? And next thing you know. Tony's shoving me aside and running as fast as he can to the S's. <laughs> Ducking and weaving. No, it's for the ends. Because we're getting with New for Mutants. The for the new ends. New Mutants yeah. 87. And then there was three of them, and I was like, ah, there's 16 bucks. I was like, yeah, I'll get it next time. I was really looking for something, like, specific. Like, it, it'll find mm-hmm. me. It'll find me. Because, t- like, Tony knows. Tony always has his list. I have the complete opposite. I am completely just abstract and yeah yeah and um fucking uh he finds his first person stripe would be cool 
There's one that's like 16, 17 bucks. I can get another one. Like, I don't really care. I'm looking for something else. And we, he was checking out. I had like three comics in my hand. And I walked down an aisle that I hadn't been through before. And I see the complete collection of Ultra with, by Jonathan and Joshua Luna. And I'm like, dope, that's mine. And um, next time we go there, like what, two months later? All yep, the other. Two months had, later. Like they had like two other issues the first Spirit of Strife. Mm-hmm. They were in the regular ass boxes, but we come back two months later and they're in the protected ass boxes for like ninety motherfucking dollars. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, we. But I got my copy. <laughs> I got mine too. I would. I would much. I would much rather have my collection of Ultra. And and you and we had talked about Ultra. The last time mm-hmm. we'd been on the way out of fucking Amarillo. That's what, that I, that's, wrong. That's what I wanted. And um, the hunt. For the record, though, now I have every single issue of New Mutants that entire run. Yes, you do. The only thing I'm missing oh, is the really? first print. Yep, the I got everything prints. except for a first print of 87. I've only got a second print. Hmm, that's badass. Now, so. Colin, you've never been on the hunt with us, but one of our rules. Because you have not been on the hunt with us, and we're not trying to downplay that you're not part of minefields, because you are. You're 100%, one-third. But you've never been on a hunt with us. The rule of the hunt is trust the hunt. Yep. Trust the hunt. It'll happen. Okay. It'll. It doesn't matter what you're looking for. Just trust the hunt. Like... Tony, how many times have we handed you a book? Just just buy it, and you're like, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, no, I remember freaking the first one, the first uh, official hunt we did. My, I think my goal was freaking all the issues of Night, uh, Nightfall. Nightfall. Yeah, Nightfall. I think by the end of that first day, I was down to only five issues. And at that point, I'd gone to my parents' house to find my original comic collection, and I think by that point, I was down to like two or three issues left. Yeah, and then my my whole intention of the first hunt was I wanted all the she's. Mm-hmm. And did I not find them yeah. immediately? <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, like just just fucking found them immediately. Like 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 it's just a a balance back and forth. And we need we need our sci-fi guy, man. Like. Mm-hmm. Just, just uh, on the hunt, just let us know what you're looking for. Fucking, and there's been times where Tony's like, I'm looking for this, and he didn't find it. I'm like, here you go. Found it. Just. <laughs> you just got to have exactly. that extra pair of eyes. Yeah, the extra pair of eyes. Tony's handing me comic books. Like, here you go. Thank you. Or you're welcome. Uh, like, if it wasn't for Tony, uh, I wouldn't have my year one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My year one. Or... Um, if it wasn't me really wanting to buy uh, Maximum Carnage, Tony wouldn't have happened to buy it for me at Ed's. That's true. <laughs> but I did, I did give you that first uh, first issue of Ash number one. I don't believe Signed. It. Yeah. Was it signed by Junior Junior or was it signed by somebody else? It was signed by Casada. Uh, Casada, uh, that's what it was. Casada. He's like, I'm pretty sure Ed has that. And then... Um, we go to Ed's and the next time, and because uh, I got like almost all the ashes in fucking Amarillo and Lubbock, and um, mm-hmm. we're we're at Ed's and he 
looks where he found it and hands it to me and I see I see the the cue with the cue with the three lines you know what I'm saying all right and Ed's like okay cool cover price okay cool let's get the hell out of here right now <laughs> yeah. before he realizes yeah we get the hell out of here so trust the hunt gotcha trust the hunt mm. man you gotta You've got a little bit of break time. Come back. We're, we'll take you to speeding. Uh, we'll take you to the Muse, to Vans. We'll take you to fucking Ed's. We're, we're going to take Ed's. Like, the thing about Ed's is we're going to be Ed's for like four hours. Um, <laughs> but it's we'll definitely take, a possibility the amount of backs he's got. We'll take you to Manitou. We'll take you to fucking Mile High. Kapow. Uh, Kapow. Oh, what's, uh, what is that? Escape uh, Velocity. Escape Velocity. What's the, uh, the the smallest comic book store in the world? <laughs> oh, that one in Castle Rock. Yeah, yeah we'll get our Will's Protasio. Uh, what what issue is that one? Sure. Uh, two eighty one, man. Freaking Uncanny X Men two eighty one. Yep. Hmm. It's a good ass Bishop episode. That fucking. Oh. Uh, the issue I, before Bishop. Yep. That's what I got. Um, Kind of, yeah, we all slave over this. Um, we'll do a recap on fucking Dark Crisis and what's the other one? Flashpoint? What's the Flashpoint? Freaking Batman. We got another Batman, but like nothing really good came out of Marvel this week. But this is one. Yeah. We'll see if anything's. We'll see if anything's exciting by the time we get around to it next week. Yeah, exactly. We're just hoping to set a fire in your ass, man. We miss you, man. It's, uh, <laughs> we know you're working your ass off in Canada. Oh, I, I feel like things are settling down now in my oh, that's world. That's good. Opportunities. Always a plus. Yeah. Well, boys. Yeah. Colin, it's your turn, man. Well, it's been a while, but this is dangerous. This transmission is over. Hell yeah. Buy the shirts. Buy the shirts. <laughs> the are still available.